Hello all, welcome to the Consistently OK podcast, a podcast where we dive into all things pop culture related from comics to films and everything in between. My name's Luke. I'm Nick. Join us every week for a podcast that doesn't set its far too high or too low, but rather keeps it at a consistently OK level for your enjoyment. Wow. <laughs> Owen Wilson. <laughs> and we're jo- joined live by Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. <laughs> everyone thanks for joining us on another consistently okay podcast our penultimate episode before we have a small break before season two this week we're talking finally about the justice league snyder cut and i am joined as always by nick and we also have our regular guest and most excellent human being harry hughes with us gentlemen hello hi the snyder cut we're here we made it it's finally we did yeah it's been a long time coming it has a lot of podcasts talking about snyder cut probably even when we weren't supposed to talk about the snyder cut yeah and uh we've all seen it we've all well we all have thoughts on it i guess yeah i ne- I nearly said enjoyed it but i don't want to spoil Ooh. how i think Ooh. about the snyder cut so <laughs> see by saying that you've, you've already spoiled it <laughs> or have you well i have i have i have um i have things things to say digging <laughs> digging, <laughs> digging. <laughs> so I thought before we actually go into it, the way we're going to do this podcast is we're going to go through each chapter of the Snyder Cut as we can dive further into each part. Um, but for any of you out there who haven't seen the Snyder Cut or the original Justice League, like a brief background is that originally in the DC EU, DC EU, that's right, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So in DCU, they had all these things and loads of moving parts with different characters Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, loads of shit was going on. They were going to make a Justice League film. They kind of went very quickly with it. And Zack Snyder was at the helm of the Justice League film. He'd already done Man of Steel and he'd done Batman vs Superman. And at the end of Batman vs Superman, there was a, a lot of teasing of the Justice League with Steppenwolf being in the end credits. And it was released in 2017 by Warner Brothers. And it was, um, it was shit. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the main reason is that it wasn't very good or wasn't very well received is there was a lot of production issues between the studio and Zack Snyder and his vision and what they wanted. And then Zack Snyder unfortunately had a tragedy inside his family and he left during filming, although he had done the majority of the shot, obviously, as we now know, hence a a four hour film. And, and it was, he was replaced by Joss Whedon who had previously done things like the Avengers to quite high praise. The Avengers and things were done and a lot of other stuff Joss Whedon has done age of Ultron, not so much. And I think at the time, a lot of people thought he was just going to like wrap up the film and the post-production, but no, there was a, a lot of reshoots and a lot of changes to the script and the actors had to do a lot of uh, yeah, reshoots, basically, like I said, and it didn't work out. It bombed at the box office, it bombed in reviews. Everyone was upset. Um, I assume you cried, Nick. Uh, it was just, yeah, sad state of affairs, isn't it? Um, it was I tried, bad. I mean, I, I, I it saw back. it cinema. Like, so I, I watched, we watched it in the cinema, watched it with Harry, and I think both of us came out and we were like, what the fuck? And then I just haven't watched it since. I know Harry and I have spoken about it almost every week that there was yeah. Snyder's version and then there was this theatrical cut. And then um, I thought, right, after the Snyder cut got announced and maybe like a month before it was coming out, I was like, right, I'm going to watch the theatrical back just so I kind of refresh myself. And I got through like 25 minutes of it and had to switch it off. I got up to the bit where um, Lois is talking to Martha and Martha's like, oh, 
he said that you were the thirstiest young woman he'd ever seen. And I was like, no, just who I'm the out fuck of wrote that? And why is it in there? And no. It wasn't good, was it? No. It was a mess. And it didn't look good either. And it looked, I don't know, it looked like a lot of it seemed, like Steppenwolf, for instance, seemed like a Buffy the Vampire villain of the week. That's the way he looked anyway yeah. mm-hmm. to me. Well, Power Rangers, I thought. Power Rangers, yeah, very power better Rangers. example. So well, it was really Power Rangers was great. Just was great. yeah, but he he wouldn't have looked out of place in nineties Power Rangers, would he? Like oh, if he just have. showed up, yeah, he just portaled in. You'd be like, yeah. it's great getting supersized <laughs> by Rita in the Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Ivan Ooze and Steppenwolf. <laughs> Ivan Ooze. Now there's there's a bad guy yeah. you can uh, you can rely there's on. There's a throwback. <laughs> so it anyway. bombed in the box office and. Uh, there was this huge uproar on social media. And ever since then, uh, basically from 2017, everybody's been clambering together to try and get the Snyder Cup because it was teased that it existed. And Zack Snyder said a few things. And I think, was it Jason? Jason Mamua? Is that how you say his name? Uh, yeah, yes. Jason Mamua. <laughs> yes. It I wasn't Henry Cavall. <laughs> um, Jason Mamua and Henry Cavall. So they said it existed and everything. And then obviously it picked up a lot of momentum. And, you know, here we are, 2021. He got given 70 million by HBO Max to make his edits. And a special effects company came in and beefed everything up. And I think we spoke on an old podcast uh, a few weeks or months ago now saying that it was going to be four parts on HBO Max and then they thought we'll just shove it all out there which definitely worked better it definitely works better as a four-hour sitting down and just embracing it than just being cut for four weeks because I think the idea is the Disney effect which we're all roughly enjoying now is that you can talk about it for a week before the next bit comes out but this wouldn't have worked like that it would have been especially the first part because which we'll get into was not that strong in my view. So if that was just the first part released, I think everyone would have been like, Ugh, like why are these uh why are these Icelandic women singing for 10 minutes? <laughs> anyway, so it came out and here we are. March 18th. It came out and you could watch it if you had HBO Max in America or HBO in Norway where I am or I don't know, Sky Direct. I have no idea. What was it yeah. in England? Yeah, I think um yeah, 18th of March, it was on Sky, Sky Movies or Now yeah, TV. Sky Movies, Now TV, yeah. I was about to say, because like, I think they rebranded to Now, but yeah. Yeah, Now TV. Yeah, it is so just Now, can see it. which confused you, the shit out of me when I tried to subscribe, actually, like sideline, because I was looking for Now TV, and I was like, I've got all these ones for Now. I was like, is this the same thing? I, I don't know. And I paid for it. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm pretty sure they rebranded <laughs> on the 18th as well. Like, I'm pretty sure they became Now mm. on the 18th. It's of not March. a worst time, is it? Because I I put it on my Xbox as well. It was like, I was looking for the Now TV app and I kept putting Now TV and it's like no results. I was like, uh, okay. Screwed over. Yeah, but it's just now, 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 enough of that. (laughs) All right. So we've all sat down. We've all watched it. That's happened. So we'll dive into the first chapter, which was called Don't Count On It, Batman. So who wants to talk about it first? Nick, do you want to jump on? Yeah, I'm happy to do it. So the first thing I want to talk about with it is, if I just find my notes, is immediately the opening of it just makes way more sense. Like the opening, uh, focusing on the death of Superman and how that awakens the mother boxes. And it's like the, the cry heard throughout the, the universe really. 
I think opening with that is such a strong statement because it it just adds your stakes that immediately you kind of go like this thing is way more impacting than you first thought. Like at the end of Batman vs Superman, you're like, oh shit, that's, that's bad. Supes is dead. But you kind of don't, or I didn't anyway, I didn't think about like the bigger impact that that ties into, like the people that will hear that across the universe and what it means for Earth. So I just thought immediately you're opening up on a really strong plot point there that also ties into Bat Soups. So yeah, so I thought that was a, a strong, strong start. I agree. I thought it was a really good start and it, I was immediately hooked. I mean, we, we will talk a bit more about the opening of the original one as well, potentially, but hmm. it's such a better start to the film because it, I think the way Zack Snyder probably viewed the whole thing as a trilogy or whatever it was going to be, that if you're going to watch it all in one go, that it feeds into one another so much better with this opening with what happened to Superman at the end of Batman versus Superman. And it being such a big deal that he's been killed mm-hmm. or he's dying and that his that release of energy from his death is what sparks this film into life and it, it just it played out so much better and it just already the context of the film or the what you're about to go through is established quite quickly that you know superman's gone and all this terror is about to come to earth i, I thought it was really good there's also that framing shot of like everyone where you see like Batman, Wonder Woman and Lois, the the framing of Batman specifically, I think is enormous. Like it's such a good just shot of Batman just looking on. And like, I've seen people pick up on the fact that he's kind of got like a glazed look over his eye and stuff like that, which I think is a really nice kind of introduction of his character into Justice League, because as we'll get to later, like this version of Bruce is somebody who's been on a journey, which I think is one of the really strong parts of Justice League is that Bruce's arc from Batman vs Superman to Justice League just makes a lot of sense. And it it's really nice to see, like just from a character kind of perspective. So, it's yeah. also good that you get to see already within the first five, ten minutes of this slow-mo opening, which I obviously you probably read that 10% of the whole film is in slow motion. Yeah. That you see Cyborg, for instance, you see a little taste of him, even though he doesn't come into it until a bit later. Yep. And obviously you see Atlantis or Aquaman, at least, the, the mother box there. So already it's threading together a little bit more than the shitstorm that was the original Justice League. Yeah, I mean... I think started on a... Did it start with... It started with the weird non-mustache Superman. Yeah. Started yeah. Weird non... And then it was... Batman on a rooftop with a parademon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, he's chasing, he's chasing like a guy and then there's a parademon shows up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I remember watching yeah. the first time and yes. thinking he, he's chasing some bloke on a rooftop and then yeah, uh, he like interrogates him, doesn't he? And then yeah. a parademon rocks up. I can't remember why. I, I remember watching remember actually the first time and thinking it wasn't, it wasn't bad. And then, like it got, it became worse. It was like I didn't mind the the cinematic of Batman like stalking a guy. That was kind of cool. And then it, then it was awful. And then the film, I think, went just. It was like it went south from the first shot with Superman. Then it felt like it was picking up for like ten seconds, and then it went south hard for the remainder of the film. Yeah. So it, it yeah, didn't. It was work. a big it difference. The Snyder cut intro. 
it just felt like the the one in the original one was more of a setting up this popcorn Justice League. Um, okay, so Batman's cool. This is what he's doing, but it didn't it didn't need that. Obviously, from mm-hmm. the Snyder Cut as well, you wanted the the fallout from what happened at the end of Batman versus Superman played at a, a much uh, better, better level. Oh, I don't know what the right word is to say there, but it's more meaningful. And it felt like it just that carries on naturally, doesn't it? Yeah, it does catch you up. Imagine you two going to see, just you know, obviously they like... do those cinema things where you see all the films back to back. Imagine seeing, yeah. like seeing First Avenger, uh, Winter Soldier, and then Civil War, like that thing. Blasphemy. Don't talk about mm. Marvel films on a, a DC film. <laughs> <laughs> um, but fine. You're wearing an Avengers it's, hoodie. It's, it's that's true, already yeah. blasphemous. Ah. So, um, yeah, it, it's <laughs> that's, that's the continual out. thing, isn't it? You, you walk out, you see Batman vs. Superman, you see the end of it, and you immediately you want more of that. So you want to find out what's going what's going to happen in the aftermath of Superman dying. And the weed intake on it just felt, it just felt pointless. So out of place. And this one was, the, the opening 10 minutes was a million times better. Yeah, so much better. Yeah. And like, especially because your opening shot is of the like the doomsday's fist thing crushed through Superman? It's like visceral. You're like, oh shit. Whereas the opening shot mm. with theatrical is like the fucking awful mustache Superman and the kids asking the question, which is like, what's your favorite thing about being Superman or Earth or whatever it is? Which like I get the sentiment they're going for that they're trying to like go for this Superman who's like hopeful and all this stuff. But it's it doesn't land like as somebody who's a huge fan of that kind of version of Superman, where it it's hopeful and there's like a a real belief in humanity. That opening just doesn't hit anywhere near what it should. Um, That's family friendly, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah, wanted to be family friendly. So I mean, Avengers is family friendly, isn't it? Yeah, is no bright bright lights. Everyone's sort of looking real fancy and kind of happy and yeah okay so loki's the villain all this stuff but and it's funny in places but that's not what this should have been and that's why it's better in this version because it's the the soup the kids asking superman those questions is so the rest of me thinking ah superman you loved being here didn't he yeah poor bastard now he's dead yeah it's like let's Um, avenge him in a really light-hearted way but um, yeah yeah just not not good i think Another part which was cleverly linked was the little bit with uh, with Steppenwolf and Lex, Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah. Because like that was such like a that was a really it was quite quick. In um, I mean, if unless you watch the extended cut of Batman versus Superman, you don't even know that scene exists. So if you watch if you watch Batman versus Superman's extended cut, which I'm assuming everyone who's watching the Snyder cut has. Yeah, I enjoyed. I feel that was a really nice touch for the opening as well, because as, as well as like casting a light across like all the important things, like the mother boxes and that, it ties in. It reminds you who the villain's going to be straight away. Yeah. So yeah. that was. I thought that was a really nice touch, and it was cool how it's essentially the it's, everything was essentially the same shot from a different angle, which I thought was very much similar to how he opened Batman versus Superman with the with the buildings collapsing. It's the same sequence from from Man of Steel, but from a from a different perspective. And it's kind of the same thing in the opening of this with but just with like smaller, more compact shots. Like you'd seen it all before. So like Superman getting impaled or like Batman stood watching and 
Lex Luthor's thing with Steppenwolf were all like clips you'd seen, but it was just sort of, um, it was just, it was just a really tasteful like continuation of what, what you'd already seen. It was like the perfect way to remind you where you left off without boring you with, with too much detail. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I loved the whole sequence. Nice. Yes. The next bit I kind of pointed out was again, something that was more just my curiosity as to like, I feel like a lot of this is going to be me saying like, I don't understand why they removed this from the theatrical cut. But when they introduce Arthur, that scene plays out, you know, similar to how it does in the theatrical cut, but they randomly removed that Batman like offers to basically like pay him off that he's like, Mm. there's like almost like Aquaman's in it for, for money. And that's not in the theatrical cut. In the theatrical cut, they cut to like that weird shot of like the drawing of the mother boxes, which looks really shifty. Yeah. Um, but in this one, it's like there's more conversation between him and Arthur, and it almost pitches Arthur as more like the the nomad and kind of like mercenary. Yeah, and I I thought that was way better introduction than what you get because in the theatrical cut, you get the kind of like again, it's the lighthearted take that it's like we don't you know want to lean into it but you think that's because they're like um bribery's bad yeah. so they don't want to it felt like somebody, somebody in the room had gone like yeah. don't talk about bribery like bribes yeah. how dare you yeah. i'd love to have been there like if somebody had gone oh. through the script and been like oh bribery no 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 we're not about yeah uh, sorry like, batman just bribe aquaman yeah. it's like, it's like no that's the whole scratch film that. like if we scratch the bribery bit it's not gonna work Imagine that exchange between Bruce and Arthur worked a lot better. I mean, it's going to be easy to say that most of this podcast, if you if we go between the Whedon one and the Snyder one, it's going to say it works better as the Snyder one. I think we yeah. can all agree straight away. So I'm going to stop yeah. saying it worked a lot better as much as yeah. I can. But it did. It, all of these scenes with all these characters that needed to be established that weren't, it worked better. And immediately I'm more, I'm more for Arthur Curry or Aquaman than I was A during Aquaman yeah, um, and B during the Justice League yeah. my only real memory of Arthur Curry I don't know why I keep saying Arthur Curry it's like uh, you'll never know who's <laughs> Aquaman <laughs> but uh, I'll never break his identity Aquaman is that him making a sexist comment to Wonder Woman uh, in yeah. the original and really bad. surfing on a parademon yeah they're the two yes. memories but in this yeah. cut I have a bit more of well, there's a lot more to him, isn't there? He gets a lot more screen time, and also this beginning exchange works a lot better because, yeah. well, yeah, just because they kept all of the the right stuff in. Yeah, there is one bit in this scene though, which I assume we were logically going to go to next, but it's probably the worst bit in the whole film, and that is the song. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> from the Icelandic women. What the fuck? See, mm. I'm kind of like, I'm no Nick, no, I'm, no, I'm kind of into it. Like it's oh. long, like it could be cut easily. Like if this had gone theatrical, that's something you'd cut. But what I like about it is that I like that it gives Aquaman the sense that it's like there's something like really sad about it. That it's like he comes to this town, like on a on the the tide or whatever it is on the high tide on the high tide and king tide king, king tide. tide. That's it. And shut up, Harry. <laughs> and. Like, I've only seen it once, them. <laughs> and then and then they like and then he goes, and that's it's like the 
the sense that it's like he's giving something but he's never really part of a community like he doesn't want to be part of atlantis he doesn't want to be part of this community and so there is like an ultimate sadness that just surrounds him because it's like he just doesn't ever want to be a part of something which later on i'll get to the point that for me like links that all together like how there's a journey for his character yeah there is i i would Yes, I can think what you're going to say about that journey as well. Yeah. I still think that, as more I would probably say at the end of this, the way I view the whole cut as a whole, but that's just such, for me, that scene just is not needed. And I just was yeah. watching it thinking, oh man, just just stop singing. And what are you going to do with this coat? Like, Do they just hang it on a peg and wait for him to come back? <laughs> yeah, just, it just, yeah, it just... Was a, nice for me, it was just a nonsense well. like, song. And I think it sounds nice. It's fine that it sounds nice, but it went on for too long and it just, yeah. it could have just cut straight to the next bit. And I, yeah, I, I would think that's, you know, obviously it's there because it's the Snyder cut, isn't it? And he wanted yeah. every, probably everything that he'd shot, he wanted involved. But yeah. if that was released as a two and a half hour film and that was in it, it would have just, yeah, I'd love that. I think. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm there. in two minds on it though. Okay. Well, I, I was thinking, I'm sort of exactly what you both mean. Because I was like, I was watching it the first time and I thought, it's a bit fucking rare, this, like a bit left field. And then like afterwards, I, was, I kind of didn't mind. If I, and it did happen for a while, didn't it? It was sort of like, wow, they're fucking, they're singing. They're now. But my, yeah, it was, it was odd. But my brain took me back. And this is because um, Zack Snyder said about Lord of the Rings being one of his inspirations yep. for like the arc of the films, not for like, the plot, but Aragon starts singing at the end of Return of the King. And oh, I was like, yeah. what the fuck is going on here? But like, yeah. I love Lord of the Rings. So then I was kind of like cool with it. I was like, I feel weird like when Vigo started singing at the end of Lord of the Rings, but. But then I'll there should have been more it. of it, right? Like, but yeah, it was fine. strange. It's fine that there's that one bit. What do you mean? If there's that, mm. that kind of, he wants, if you're basing it off Lord of the Rings, which is what Snyder said, but it just feels out of place. Like if it was. If, if Snyder had the Aquaman yeah, it's film, odd. If, it's really if, he, odd. if he had done the film for Aquaman and that was the way he was going with it, and there were several, you know, jingles like that one. And I, I did wonder when sense. I watched it if I thought they might use that, that singing they were doing later on as like a, oh, what do you call it? Like a lullaby kind of scene for when Aquaman showed up later. I thought he was going to show up and it might have like, oh, I can't think of an example and they've done it in a film, but they use... Like in Lord of the Rings, they use that Nazgul theme a lot, but then it, it's like it's subtle in the background. You hear it like a whisp, it's almost like a whispered theme. I wondered if they were going to do that, which they didn't. I wondered if like that was going to be kind of like Aquaman's background theme, kind of like how Wonder Woman's yeah, that would like her theme I'd that be, shows up. Yeah, I would be on but, board with that. Yeah, if they was, didn't. even if so it was, it was a different take on it. I do, I do wonder how much of yeah, just like, like a slower or quieter version. Yeah, I do wonder like how much of like how much Aquaman the film was written or in the works when Justice League was filmed because like we'll get to it later obviously but there are some several like moments that really don't match with what we got as an Aquaman film and so I wonder whether a lot of that was like you know pre them writing it Zach going like this is what I'm setting the the, the standard of, of Aquaman at so, you know, when I'm continuing with Aquaman in just C two, three, whatever, James one then needs to match that. But because they were like Zach's out, you know, midway through towards mm-hmm. the production, then Aquaman sort of becomes like James one's own take. 
because there's, there's like clearly, months, yeah yeah there's clearly not a communication there whereas like when you look at like suicide squad even though it's fucking nightmare the theatrical cut there's clearly a a relationship that exists there between zach and david ayer in like how they're representing parts of the world so i did wonder that because there is a lot of stuff especially with aquaman that you kind of just think it doesn't fit with where he ultimately goes and like like you said like this interpretation of him is way better than what we got in the film so they probably should have continued with it but you know um... yeah i don't i don't think for a second that there was ever a a huge plan from Warner Brothers and the people that were working with this stuff. I, I know Snyder's a producer on most of them, but I, I generally think they were like, here's the keys to the Aquaman character and the Shazam character and all this mm. stuff. And they just went with it. And then at the end of, you could throw in a cameo like Bruce Wayne at the end of Suicide Squad or uh, like Superman's torso in Shazam or whatever. Just, it was all mm. wingy. And I, obviously the Justice League derailed any sense of continuity, really, yeah. because... It's. I don't think anyone knew. I don't. I, I would have loved to see Ackman a different version of Ackman to what we got. Yeah. There are elements of it that are okay, like an octopus banging on drums. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure that happened. But yeah. it that character could have been done in that the setting and the look of it because it felt very the Ackman scene there feels very Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, yeah. The way it's shot and the way it looks and it feels like kind of cold and mm-hmm. like grey and. Actually, that's my point. The singing, although I didn't like it, looked came off a lot better in the black and white version for some reason. Oh, interesting. Right. Almost like a horror film. <laughs> I did, uh... That was the thing. When I first watched it, I'm pretty sure I said to my boyfriend as well, or he might have said it to me. It was one of us, but we said it reminded us of like Midsummer. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, and I, that, yeah. I think that's what I liked time. about it, that I was like, it's sort of uncomfortable in the sense that like, A, why am I watching it? B, to me i was like there's just something sort of sad about it and yeah. i don't i don't know what it is but i quite like i'd it. like to know what the lyrics were like i'd like to find them in english so i know what they're singing about that could actually change everything like, row 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 the boat or something <laughs> something completely ridiculous <laughs> can you imagine that'd be fucking amazing <laughs> just casually put a children's nursery rhyme in but no i feel like if i knew what the context of what they were singing about was maybe maybe that's an easter egg in itself maybe there's something in there that People need to research. Hey, internet. So the the next thing I've got on my list is, and obviously if anybody's got anything to that they want to specifically speak about that I'm not speaking about, just jump in. But the stuff with Lois that they kind of show in this first act, like her showing the grief, like visiting the site, and I think it's um, it's uh, oh, what's the song that plays? I think it's Nick Cave, the Bad Seeds that plays. Yeah, it's Nick Cave. Yeah. That I think such a like A it's very Snyder, but B I think that's such a brilliant depiction of grief that it's like she's going through the same thing, and there's a real sense of loss, and just the way that it's shot, I just I absolutely love that kind of stuff. I really think it kind of like adds to Lois's character a lot, and especially later on, you know, when we get to the kind of resurrection part, I think it makes that moment way more impactful. Like it is just. Yeah. I agree. So well done. Also, there's a cheeky little Zack Snyder cameo in that scene where she leaves kind of uh, the coffee shop. In the coffee shop. Is there? Yeah. When she leaves the coffee shop, mm. she like, opens the door and Zack's like sat in the window, like uh, just doing something. Ah, uh, like, shit. Mm. No way. Didn't block it. Yeah, it's cool. But There's also another cameo, isn't there? Uh, it's from 
one of the original Superman films, the police officer that Lois hands a cup of coffee to. Oh, is that Jimmy Olsen? Yeah, I think it's Jimmy yeah. Olsen from the Superman film, yeah. Or something, it's something like that anyway, which I, I just glanced over on Twitter. I saw it and I was like, I love things like that when they recognise someone that was part of some of the bigger films and put them in if they can. It's just yeah. nice. Yeah. Nice thing. It's very cool. I think one thing we skipped over as well, which is only brief, is the um, the mountain shots with with uh, Batman on the horse. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, were they were they in the original cut? I, feel I like think there's the like, like one shot. Yeah, there's yeah, one, yeah. one or two. Yeah, but I did like the extended version of that. That was very Lord of the Rings as well. I thought, like, yeah. very Misty Mountains. But, yeah, no, there's not much more to add to other than I thought that was really fucking cool. That was pretty but, That was pretty long. I mean, that's 10% of the slow-mo right there, isn't it? Superman's yeah, death. Yeah. yeah. And uh, walking <laughs> yeah. through the mountains. Yeah. It's like... Jesus was Christ, it I'm pretty sure the whole thing was in slow-mo, wasn't it? If I remember. I thought right. it was just wide, long pan shots. It felt very slow to of, me. I think, I think it's the camera angles. I feel Maybe. like there wasn't... Because he, he, he fucking puts out his campfire, doesn't he? That's the other and thing then, as well. About that, Harry and Nick, mm, is that hello. I was a bit... When I watched that bit at the beginning with Batman on his horse, Yannicka oh, no, was downstairs. My, my wife... Uh, no different to no. that but i wasn't sure uh <laughs> came down and she says oh what what's going on i said i don't know like i don't know where he's going like i assume he's going to see Aquaman, but i was like maybe he's going to to some sort of fortress of solitude like maybe he's trying to track down something and i thought well, that would be great if it's completely different to something we've seen i was like oh no he's just gone to this weird icelandic icelandic town yeah so anyway but that was a dream crushed very quickly for me Sorry. yeah, yeah. Moving on. Another film, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my next two points are, and because they're both action-related, I'm just going to tie them into one, and we can kind of just discuss from there. But uh, the first one is the like Wonder Woman introduction scene, which again is just so smartly done in terms of introducing like this version of Wonder Woman because she's like a proper warrior in Justice League. Like I think more so than we've seen her before maybe and i think the introduction scene there is a bit like the batman warehouse scene in that she's just like gnarly it's like it shows off all the best bits of wonder woman in terms of like her absolute animals yeah um saves the day she's just like quick it's brutal like when she throws that guy against the wall and there's like the head splat i was like oh my god oh my do you know what the the like subtle gore in that was like so necessary. I was like, because <laughs> I, I like I've watched many other superhero films, not to diss on Marvel, but there's a lot of moments in Marvel where like something big happens and we get smashed against the wall, and you're like, well, dead, just they're dead, like they'd be in bits or something, which like they're all happy to do with like robots or aliens, but they never do it with anything like remotely human because they're like, we'll just we'll just cut the camera carefully, or there'll be an explosion and you see nothing. But this Wonder Woman seemed like did not fuck about like. Like she basically she kicks some guy at a wall, doesn't she? And then it's just yeah. like boom, and there's just this that's blood splatter. It's a hundred percent. And you think like it, yeah, you think <laughs> it's like gone as well. And then later you see her like with the kids at the end of the scene, like oh, there's that smear <laughs> yeah. of blood again. Which is like, awesome. That guy's yeah. absolutely fucked up. And that little girl's like, I want to be like you. It's like, yeah. Jesus Christ, <laughs> sicko. No wonder. <laughs> uh, I mean, everyone does. Yeah, imagine that. But that yeah. that scene is like awesome that it like you have this epic action scene that's then followed by this really heartfelt like kid being like 
I look up to you, basically, which is just yeah. mm. like amazing. That's that's Wonder Woman. And it was so, quite like, unpolished, though, wasn't it? That scene. I th- what, I found like some of it was. I felt like some of the effects were a bit off in that respect. I know I know all of it's not perfect in that res- in that way, but I felt like it could have been even even better if. I think he just used what he had, but if maybe he could have done, maybe it would have been a bit different if he had had more time or I, I don't know. It just felt a bit, some of it felt a bit out of, it didn't look quite right to me. I'm trying to I think word the, it correctly. Like the scene where the thing explodes, that looked a little bit shifty to me. Yes. Yeah. Um, things like that. But I think the, the bit where she moves really quick, I really like that. And she's like bouncing the bullets and stuff. That looked really cool. That yeah. was with the gauntlets. That's so good. Yeah, just... yeah. Also, it was kind of it was a bit jarring. I thought, but then like when you realise she's moving super fast, it's kind of it, it makes a yeah. lot of sense. It's the same as like not to skip far ahead, but everyone knows this happened. But the bit where she gets headbutted into the floor that always looked yeah. weird to me. But like it makes when you see it, you're like well, no, what? How do you headbutt someone into the floor? So like you, my my eyes can sort of allow it. But yeah, I thought it was great. It is like you say, very nightmare. Uh, very warehouse Batman yeah, like, kind of, yeah. Like it's kind in, of but for yeah. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Why was she in England? Uh, I think it's why just not? because like she's just Europe. Yeah, why not? Like okay, you'd come to visit me because she's so, in Paris. Yeah, so of course, I guess yeah, because she can. Yeah, of course she can yeah. fly at this point, can't she? Yeah. I keep thinking that she because eighty four was obviously way before this. I keep thinking that yeah. we haven't seen the film where she's flying a lot and kicking ass. Yeah. So okay, got it. She um, just flew over. She came over for a Nando's for a weekend. Yeah, you know, got a prep. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah. So, so we get that, and then the other action scene that we wanted to talk about was the Steppenwolf Amazon fight scene, which I think mm-hmm. is pretty cool to show off like this new version of Steppenwolf because a lot of that scene still plays out the same way. Yeah, it's pretty similar, isn't it? I think um, similarly. Yeah, I think it just with his design looks more. And feels more like visceral. It feels a little bit more kind of like, oh shit. He's, he looks more intimidating, doesn't he? Yeah, like when he shows. Tell up, you what, fuck. I feel like this this version of Steppenwolf. I, just, I said this before to Nick. Even when they release, I remember when I saw it at the end of Batman vs Superman in the scene with Lex. You're like, I was like, oh, that's cool. But because it's like a hologrammy thing, you can't quite see how it works. You're like, I don't know what's all going on there, what's armor and what's skin, because it's just all hologram or whatever. But when he showed off, when Snyder dropped that first shot of the like digitally remastered Steppenwolf, I was just like, "Oh my god, that's that's one of the coolest like villain looks ever." And then like obviously the more you see about it, and the more like leading up to the film, I was like, "Yeah, this looks insane." And then when you see them actually in the film, it was a whole new level. It's genuinely beautiful, is the word I would you describe that. He's like a villain who looks. Like so, it, it's so the the design in the armor is so organic, and like the chrome and everything. Honestly, it's like a twelve out of ten villain design <laughs> for me. Like I would I would rate that as one of the best looking villains in a comic book film ever. Like he looks like immaculate. I can't put into words how much I enjoyed just staring at him when he first shows up, and there's like the it's like lit from above by the like beam like the, the boom tube thing and then it's all like gleaming off the armor and then it just like all the close-up shots as well where it's just like you just see all the little plates of the armor rippling i was like yeah this is this is great i'd hands down say actually steppenwolf was my favorite thing in the whole of the film 
And then, like, I found out afterwards, I was thinking, because obviously they redid him for the film, I, I wondered if it was always the case. But as Zack Snyder said in a, I don't know if it's an interview or just like a, uh, like a thread thing I read, but he said that um, he'd changed the Steppenwolf to the one that was in the other, the, in, in the, in the yeah. uh, Whedon one, yeah, because yeah. the studio had said you have to. So he'd already, there was a lot of pictures he released, which are from the Snyder Cut, with the other, with the shit Steppenwolf in it. Yeah. Which is because he'd already, they'd changed that when he was filming it. But then obviously, because he got the rights to, to redo the film in, with his vision, he brought it back to the Steppenwolf it was that he'd originally designed, which was the best move ever. Because, yeah, by God, was it good. Like, I don't know if anyone else feels as strongly as I do. About I think, it, I think it, looked, it looked a lot better. Looked. It was so more yeah. intimidating, like cleaner, like all, all of it. Like, he, he, mm. he felt like a proper villain for the film. Whereas yeah. the other one, he looked yeah. like a pu- he looked like a puppet for yeah for Dark yeah. Whereas this thought, right, he could he's gonna fuck some shit up and he does yeah. The, there's like no, there's no Arnold Schwarzenegger. All the he's well, good. Who is Mr. Freeze? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's second. Um, Everyone is second to Arnie's Mr. Freeze. They um the shot where he like like swings his axe at an Amazonian and there's like a massive spray of blood. I was like, oh, oh. Every every axe swing was amazing. Yeah. Like when he does the gigantic leap. Yeah. Um, and it, <laughs> he's absolutely, it's, it is terrifying. Like you you watch it and you're sort of, because the camera angles are low and you're like with the people riding, you're like, they're all fucked. Like there's no way out of this. Like you're you're there, like one of them, just watching this like silhouette in the sky, just leap up like some sort of fucking living missile coming down at you with like a, some lightning axe. And then when it hits the ground, everyone everyone's dead. You're like, how do you escape this? And this is like you say, Luke. He's he's not even the big bad. This is like no, a yeah, lackey exactly. to dark side. So you're like, if this is what you're getting. And this, this is like the C team, because he's doing it by like default, isn't he? As you find out later, he's basically uh, in debt to the yeah, big he's bad. To fix things. So he's he's not even doing he's not even doing like a proper job. This is this is him like having to make up for something he's done, right? So yeah. you're like, if this is this is like not even C list, this is like a slave <laughs> essentially to the big bad. You're like, what level is above this? It was, it was insane. So so what I like what I liked about the way he looked as well and the, how the whole scene played out to the original is that it's a bunch of Amazonians and it, not one point did he, did he ever look like he was in trouble? Like yeah. when they start mm. battering with arrows, it's just like, nice. Yeah. Cool. Nothing. Right, I'm just going to smack you around a little bit more. Yeah. And then I'm you just going to fuck off. Yeah. It's like even the end charge bit where he stood with the mother box and he's about to like teleport out of there. And they've got all the Amazonians riding at him on horseback. You're like, I don't even know what they'll do if they get there. Like <laughs> I've just watched no, no, him like no plan. murder everyone. Yeah. They just show up. They're going to shoot arrows at him. Was that was what they were drawing for, wasn't it? It's like, well, they didn't work, so that's not, that's not going to happen. And it's like, clearly, when you combat him, you can slow him down at best. Like they got all those ones where they've got like ropes on him and they're trying to pull him, and he ends up just picking him up and hurling him about the place. And you're like, yeah, I don't really know what tools you have to defeat him. Like Wonder Woman's the only like Amazonian with any clout, as it were. And you're sort of like, I'd have paid to watch that happen, like him not teleport out just killed them all because I can only assume that's what would have happened right there was a bit when there he's no done other as well. alternative there's a bit when he's done and he disappears and then all the other Amazon Amazonians on the horses keep charging still it's like <laughs> where are they going it's like oh shit like we're just gonna go past it just uh so funny 
anyway, but that's a very good scene. And what did you yeah. do? You have more on that, Nick? No, no, that was that. So I was actually just going to say, if we're we're ready, on we can move on to on to part two. I will add yeah. as well, just briefly yeah. that that scene as well, and it did in the original, but even more so in this with like the extended stuff with all the um, show me your fear stuff, but they were they're not oh, yeah, afraid cool. of him. Huge girl power scene, isn't it? Like yeah. there's a lot of. I mean, obviously, with the mystery being all women, it's going to be, but like you get a big don't fuck with the ladies kind of vibe on this one. So I was, yeah. I was well into that. That was good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Okay. Well, part two then, which is called The Age of Heroes. I only have two notes about this. So I'm going to say them in the same sentence because they're linked. So the first one nice. is the backstory of seeing the big battle and it kicking off with Uaxis. Uaxis? Uh-huh. I think it's Uzas. Because it's it's X is a Z pronouncing a word. I'm sure it is. It's U Z it would read U Z A S. So Uzas. I am sure. I'm gonna say Dark Junior. As the, as the person <laughs> as the person who gets a lot of things right when he says names, like Henry Cavall. <laughs> I I always had it as the way Nick said it. Uaxis. Yeah, yeah. See, I I'm partial to either, but it's just I read it as Uaxis the first time, and then my brain kicked in wrongly right. or rightly, and has decided an X is a, is a Z. Well, we'll and I can't for, think of an example of this, but we'll go for Dark Side Junior. Call it what you want, because maybe Dark Baby Side D. is a separate character. Um, okay, uh, so, DJ. So <laughs> DJ. So the first uh, thing that just stuck out was like that scene even though it's in the theatrical cut i think this version of it with the the different score and the few changes that they kind of did it feels way more like lord of the rings like it feels like that opening fight in lord of the rings where they're against sauron and you're like oh fuck mm-hmm. which i think adds to just how epic the the scene is but then you end it with dark side getting like shanked with the axe which I was up. so brutal and way better than, again, the theatrical cut. But in terms of like why Darkseid has to, to back out of this fight is like... Yeah, right? Bit of a pussy, oh, right? The fuck? I mean... Get back in there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty <laughs> Anyone big shame. Cut in half. Yeah. So totally sound. He was, um, fight, he, was fight, he was fighting to get back out, I thought. He was like, yeah. let me have him. But they were like, no, chill, man. Like we could come back. He would have probably died, though. You can only assume because that yeah. was pretty savage. That hit was a fun on on the the wound note as well. Whilst we're there, I someone I saw a post on Instagram. Uh, someone noticed that uh, Darkseid still has that that uh, yeah, that does. gouge in his armor cool. at yeah. the end of the film when you see him. So it's like he he's kept that as a reminder of his only defeat, which I thought was a cool touch that he's like and, and it's obviously not a cgi blunder he's wearing completely completely different attire other than other than like the, the neck and head thing isn't he he's basically shirtless when he shows up earlier but then he decided i'll get oh, a he won't shirt. be making that mistake again will he yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but he kept he, he's kept the little gash but i was like that's that's fun i do like little nods to like lineage and things so i enjoyed that but anyway, carry on. What were you saying? They were pretty much the only Pussy. two so, <laughs> comments I had. Was just, <laughs> so I came thought. across completely like I just called you a pussy. <laughs> My bad. <Yeah. laughs> what were you saying? Pussy. But, no. <laughs> um, yeah, they were pretty much only comments about that, that second part is that I just thought all of that played out way more 
just interesting and more epic, like seeing the Green Lantern mm. cut off and seeing Darkseid kind of reach for the the ring and that kind of thing. I was like, cool. I love the fact that they just pulled like a really obscure Green Lantern out of comics as well. Like I saw an yeah. interview with Zach where they basically said they looked through like pages and pages of Green Lantern and just saw this one like duck kind of <clears throat> character and they were like, that's him. Are they? Um, yeah, I love one. that. It's just random, but yeah, that, that whole scene. I, en- I do enjoy when people pull in like B list stuff. Like, I think it was a, I don't want to jump off topic, but it is like what I think makes a lot of things successful. Like, uh, like Mandalorian having all the, the like B list aliens and backseat characters. It's it's fun when they put something in that's unexpected because it'd be all too easy to just do some like humanoid alien Green Lantern that, or a character you everyone knows, but. It's, I think it's more fun when you put something in that's just completely out of nowhere, just straight from the archives. It makes yeah. things a bit more interesting. Yeah. yeah. Have you got any uh, any comments on part two besides that? Anybody? No, I just um, thought, I thought I thought it was. Uh, I actually think part one and part two were the weakest parts of the film. Actually, God. although I enjoyed, Ooh. I thought they were they were fine. Like what they did, and I enjoyed several parts of it, but I much preferred what came after those two parts. And I think it's because. The, the Steppenwolf Amazon scene was quite a big part of the theatrical cut because yep. I think it only clocked in at about two hours something, didn't it? And that scene was actually pretty long going. I think that's yep. something that the studio probably thought, yeah, this is great. This, uh, Wonder Woman's super popular and the Amazonians are popular. Like, let's keep that bit in there. And I think, I think what came next, there was a lot more additional stuff. So I, those two bits, I think I actually messaged Warner, you probably, Nick, I thought the... That was, yeah, it wasn't my favorite part of the four hours that I sat through, but it yeah. got better, I think. Yeah. It's still still enjoyable, still a million times better than the original, but I think they're I probably... Wasn't, my, I wasn't mind-blowing by it. Yeah, I, I, mm. I think it's probably... I did think the... Sorry, you go. No, go on. You, you oh, answer that, because I can, I can tie this on after. I was going to say, it's I, fine. I, I think it's possibly because those first two chapters play out very similar to the theatrical like there yes, isn't that's, that's it i think change there's just a few like additions and tweets that i think make it more interesting but it's still very much like i know this yeah they uh, set up the film in a better way don't they because they establish not only a step and wolf of force to be reckoned with but hey there's a, there's a lot of stuff still to come from the people that he he is that he works for and also you get a better sense of people like aquaman and obviously Lois and things like that and how she's dealing with everything. And obviously the opening thing we said with Superman's death, making these mother boxes react. So there's a lot there that works and it makes it, makes the whole film a better experience, but it's definitely the weaker two parts for me out of the whole thing. Yep. Hughes, you had a point tie off, tie off part two for us. Yeah. So I can, the, the big CGI fight I can tie off simply by saying, I think that was, that was the best, that uh, Dark Side looks in the whole film, and we'll, we, I can bring, I can come back to that later. Yeah. But I think that scene, the CGI was great. I think that was a really strong sequence for it. So I feel like they really nailed the CGI there. Whereas later in the film, there were some questionable. There were some shots with Dark Side that was like, I don't know why he doesn't look half as good as he did earlier. I didn't think. But anyway, the other point I was going to make was I enjoyed the the sort of Tomb Raider esque sequence with uh wonder woman where she goes oh, into yeah. the, the crypt yeah well it's not crypt is it but goes in and finds the the shrine with the, yeah, with yeah. the story yeah i thought that was cool the setup yeah. felt it felt really weird watching it because i didn't have a fucking clue what was going on 
Like, because yeah. they've obviously got the, the bow into mystery as they're going to fire off. Yeah. And I was like, what's that going to be? Like a shooting star warning or something? And then it sets fire to a, a building. I was like, okay, I don't know where this is going. But then when Wonder Woman goes to it and then goes in and has a little look-see, I was like, yeah, it's fun. And then sort of like, um, it's not a trap, but the mechanism to open the door was like the arrow thing. It, yeah. it did remind me of like Tomb Raider. I thought that was fun. Like it, it was different, like a different... Um, different sort of uh, Amazonian thing to what you'd seen before. Like, cause a lot of, other than I suppose the traps on the tomb at the beginning with um, the temple with Steppenwolf, but I always enjoy those kind of sequences where there's like mystery and like the unlocking of things. So I thought that was a cool sequence to, to like start off the, the dark side story. Excellent. Cool. Well, moving into part three then, which is called beloved mother, beloved son. The first thing I want to talk about is probably my second favorite scene in the whole thing which is the barry and iris scene i absolutely Mm. loved it the music choice the just the representation of like a a seeing somebody and just being in love that it's just like they can't stop taking their eyes off each other and like the way as well like obviously i've seen a million times in like un visual rendered footage where he like turns and goes through the glass and stuff but I thought it looked really cool when he like his shoes disappear I love the fact that he's he moves Iris really slowly as well like if the flash was running really quickly with somebody they would die mm-hmm. they just move too quick so I like that he's really gentle with her and yeah I just I absolutely just loved how that played out it was just really really nice I liked it as well. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was really well done as well. I. I think the one thing that scene made me wish for that part of the film is that we just had a solo Flash film before Justice League, yeah. and that was what we got. I wish we had more of that before we saw Flash in Justice League, and that's obviously a big thing. Generally, is they jumped so quickly into Justice League after Batman vs Superman, where they could have gone several different routes of it. like they could have done a trinity film or they could have done a flash film and a cyborg film before the just league obviously the or the way the marvel did things but they didn't and that's how much i liked this part of the film and the way he did it everything like you said the way he had kind of maneuvered iris so she was safe and there was humor in there when he took the the hot dog or the sausage yeah so he, he had an alibi as to where he had been when all that was happening because i didn't see anything because i was with all these dogs yeah yeah very clever the music was great and i just wish that we had known barry allen and a flash film before he was in justice league because i could have i could sit through a lot more of that and now Mm -hmm. yes we could get that but that first meeting of him and iris is done now isn't it in a way obviously they're probably going to go different route because they're making a flash film that's likely not connected in in that way to this this version am i right in thinking that the just joss whedon version is canon in this yeah according to warner brothers that that is <laughs> yeah terrible. um terrible. so obviously Horrible, they, could redo it. they could redo it couldn't they they could uh yeah in that, i mean so. i don't know if they'll be able to match the same sentiment i think that scene to me is like very that's a very Zack snyder scene i mean hey, it's in slow-mo obviously yeah. mm-hmm. but like the music choice which i thought was really bold like to do that kind of scene in like a massive superhero film i know it's on hbo max and i know it's pretty much targeted towards a certain kind of person like certain kind of fan but to create a scene like that like i'm not sure you'd see that in something like the avengers 
where it's kind of like you'd you'd go for like this is how we're going to introduce people Mm. with this kind of like somber music and it was just very stylized and i think it was it was kind of shocking to me which my probably why it's my second favorite scene because in the theatrical i really didn't like flash like i didn't like ezra miller's take on flash and Mm. i just didn't i still don't really like ezra miller as flash to be honest but he pulled it off more in in that scene i liked him more yeah and it, it really surprised me. I was like, I expected that to be the scene that I think I was going to be the most critical about and the most kind of like, meh. But it came out and I was like, oh my God, I really, really like it. And yeah, it just stuck with me. Mm. I sort of went into that though with like, because I think the best speedster kind of scene that I've seen before, and I, I haven't seen everything, so I can't judge. But like my favourite scene of a fast moving person is obviously days of future pasts quicksilver scene in that kitchen and i remember that being like the pinnacle of what i thought slow of showing how fast someone is could be and i remember that coming out before they did justice league and i was like shit they've already stolen that so i was always curious to see what they what they could pull off with flash that wasn't just sort of the same even if they weren't ripping it off so i did wonder how this will play out before it came out and i remember one of my main criticisms of of um, the, of Quicksilver was I was thinking God if you move that fast you, you touch anyone they're fucking dead like you're not just going to be moving things around plus like going so quick how the fuck are your shoes staying on and stuff like that and I'm not saying this just because I've seen seen the Snyder Cut but like I remember the clip you see where he turns and his shoes tear off I was like yes that's that's correct like you your clothes would not stay on and i still think to the point he would probably be naked after that scene if he'd done it for real not that i want a full nude flash scene but i feel like moving that fast like unless your clothes are designed to withstand ridiculous speeds they would probably come off so i was like i like the fact they at least paid attention to the fact that your shoes can't hack the speed he's turning at because they're only rubber and stitched right so that was cool and i like the like the tolerance of the glass i don't know if that's accurate but it looked cool. I think when it he, like was, pokes yeah. how far it like bends before yeah. it before it goes. Because obviously, if you heat glass or like when you're blowing glass, it's like fucking chewing gum, right? So yeah. I thought that was fun. And then the only, uh, there was one part where I was thinking where I, my brain started to criticize, but it was the hot dog thing, right? So I was like, oh no, they've added like a weird because like why the fuck in the middle of that? Because it was super romantic, and I think the like you say the slow building and like maneuvering of Iris was like a. Uh, it was awesome. Like I was such a fan of it because, like, yeah, you'd have to be so gentle, like, to not like move something too fast, like the slightest bit too fast, because you should get like whiplash or anything like that. It would just kill him, right? So that was amazing. And then like, the hot dog thing happened. I was like, oh no, fuck! I don't want him just like. I feel like it works for like the quicksilver kind of thing where he's running around trying the soup in the kitchen and things. But I was like, in this scene, it was so romance heavy. I was like, oh no, I don't like it. But then when you realise it's because he's so quick thinking, he then has a treat to give the fucking dogs that he sat down with afterwards i was like okay that's actually class because i thought at first he was going to take the hot dog and take a bite out of it or something which i was like eh. it's a bit it detracts and it would have been like copying the quicksilver thing right so i was happy with how that turned out but overall that seems great and i remember watching when the trailer came out you see the bit where the car like tumbles and blows up and i said it to you a lot before nick i was like oh it looks ropey yeah, yeah not a fan not a nick fan and, I said the same thing <laughs> and then I didn't notice it in the film. I don't know if they updated it or not, but the way the scene plays out, I couldn't give a shit about I don't know what if it's just... in the background. I was so like focused on, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's just because... Focused on like your... flashing that. Yeah, like your focal point of that scene is just the two of them. 
And I think that's what gets yeah. me. Back. Well, when you see it in a trailer, they're just they're sat there really still up there and the yeah. car tumbles and blows up in the background. So you're like, you're watching in the trailer, the, the car move. Car move Whereas yeah. in the film, you're so glued to the like just... the, the slow-mo stuff. You're like, it was so romantic for like a, yeah, I, I didn't expect it to be as to feel as romantic as it did for a scene that that's just like a intro to his powers. I was I was massively behind it. I definitely agree. I don't know what order of favorite scenes it would be in, but it's definitely in the one of the best ones in the film. It was great. Big fan of it. I thought one bit that was nice as well about when you said Nick about how long they look at each other is that the fact that even though he knows she's going to notice him, he still holds eye contact with her when everything's stopped. Yeah, because any situation he's long fucked off hasn't he he's yeah. just mm. the thing is you think of it though like but he, he wants to he almost wants that um real time yeah uh, gaze at her as well which is yeah. pretty mm. nice yeah yeah because you think in that sequence of, although he's staring into her eyes like for what's like 30 seconds of film well probably not 30 seconds but like 20 seconds of film right it's like that's like less than a blink of an eye so she's not even, at that point she's probably not even seen him it's happening so quickly no so it's like he'd be less than a blink of an eye of like what she could remember. Right. And then next thing you stood there looking at her, it's like, yeah, exactly what you say about him wanting that connection to be in real time is, is touching, isn't it? It's, it's just solidly, solidly good filming. I thought. Yeah. yeah. The, the next thing that I want to jump into with part three is cyborg's backstory, which is obviously something that was completely removed from the actual cuts. So this was like all, all new a you've got kind of like the the story of who he is but the the scene where his dad describes what he can do there's something Mm -hmm. scary about that and the way that it's done and i love the way that it sort of ends on like the warning that it's like it's ultimately up to you as to how you're going to use this because you can pretty much fuck with anything and i i really like that 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 cyborg is presented as somebody who's you know, like troubled that he's, he's fighting with this kind of like digital side of him and he's got the power to just, like he could ruin society if he wanted to. He can, he can do anything. Drop all the nukes. Yeah. Yeah. But like the human side of him is what his dad is kind of like choosing to believe in. And I really like that. I, I like that that's how they kind of presented it, that it wasn't like he was... You know, just somebody who was like, oh, I don't know what to do. It's like he's actually got so much power that it is terrifying. But you as the audience want to believe in the best of him. He could very easily be like a the ultimate supervillain with that like power set, couldn't he? Yeah. You're watching, you know, like if you if you had that access to anything, if if you weren't necessarily even if you're in his shoes, it, it could go one of two ways, right? You could be so bitter at the fact you've been basically maimed and made into a robot like a like robocop style and mm-hmm. you could be sick of the world and everything is thrown at you because he doesn't have a great relationship with his dad no longer has his mom and nothing left of nothing no faith left in himself to like be with anyone else right so it's like you could be, you could that goes on like a dime you could be you could be the worst of humanity or the best as it turns out so that was really cool. I did like the weight of it all. Like, I never really considered it like Cyborg's power to be quite so, like... I, I think because I've never had much of an affinity with DC Comics for, like, for, as, like, a kid or anything like that. Cyborg's character, I was always, like, he's just, like, he's just a cyborg in my head. So I was thinking he's got all these cool gadgets and tech and things, and I've never looked at it so deeply that it's, like, oh, no, you can interface with 
anything. It is like mind blowing. I know what you mean when you say it's kind of like scary, but I was just watching like fuck. Like, yeah, I suppose if you could, you could do anything. That's mental, sports, don't they? As well, that's mm. the thing. His yeah. powers. You say about how he he could choose and everything, but it's not like his powers come from something good. Yeah, his powers mm, come yeah. from something ideally that is universe shattering, like the power mm-hmm. that it has with the other two boxes. So. You know, same as I guess like Infinity Stones. If you think about those, they're not some of them aren't necessarily for good. And mm. his, he could easily be. I mean, again, it's the same thing as the Flash. But the, I really enjoyed the backstory. It was definitely one of the best bits of the film. But he, that could have been a whole film. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they announced all these solo films after the first Justice League. How great would it have been to not only see a Flash film, but also a Cyborg film, or Cyborg potentially be one of the first villains like that Trinity come up against. So, cause you don't know which way he's going to go. And he is so bitter. I know probably like borderline age of Ultron with a like cyborg type mm-hmm. thing, but it would have been a whole film. You could easily sit through a whole film of cyborg and his dad and everything that that comes up with to make the justice league film be even bigger. Because if that was done and some of the flash stuff was done, and the Ackman stuff was done differently, that you have a completely different Justice League film that focuses just primarily on the like the core stuff, which is like Superman coming back and Darkseid and everything. But, you know, they pushed it all together, even in a four-hour Snyder Cut film, which yeah. works out, but we could have had so much more of that. And maybe we... I don't think we will, will we? I don't think Brayfish is going to come back. Yeah, I, I think Cyborg's probably done and dusted for a little while, unfortunately. <sighs> Unless they give Zach a sequel. Another one, yeah. But it was really good. I, I really enjoyed that that bit. I I thought it was all very powerful from, you know, his his backstory. They were desperate to get the American football scene went in, in there, weren't yeah. they? With all that yeah. with all that slow mo. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. And the snow. Good. Yeah. And snow. Which is very I think scary. I said good then about fifteen times, but it was good. It was good. Good. <laughs> good. Good. Solid. <laughs> so one of the other things I really wanted to talk about was Steppenwolf attacking Atlantis because in the the theatrical again trying not to compare to these too much because they are very different films but um, I'm pretty sure in the original it's it's quite quick like it sort of just happens brief yeah but in this there's like a you know way more insight into it and it's also again way more brutal like mirror like basically sucking stuff out of him and like trying to kill Mm -hmm. Steppenwolf I was like fuck me Hey, Mira is like a badass. Like that was a really cool mm-hmm. way to introduce her, but but also that fight scene just makes it feel like the stakes are even higher. Like when he does get the mother box, you're like, fuck. Whereas in the theatrical, it was sort of like, cool, he's got another Whatever. one. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, kind of like a walk-in, walk-out job, isn't it? It's like picking yeah. up the keys to his own car. Whereas in this one, it's it's huge. But no, I felt that it did it, it was again like this is what the film did so well in making a villain who's a, who's a genuine threat. So you, you've had him like show up and he's threatening and you see all the stuff in the first sequence. And it's like a lot of films will, will do that and then they'll not they'll skip to an end fight, but it, it doesn't always have enough build up for the villain to be really terrifying. So I thought this did it. This did really well in that respect because it basically just gave you another reason of why he's an absolute animal. Like he's not to be messed with. So I think it starts, isn't it, with him dragging the guys out of the sea like the paradigms pulling out those yes yeah, yeah um, the introduction the atlanteans is like him pulling them out and sort of trying to find where yeah they're. yeah so a straight off awesome like yeah. that gives you like a 
a it shows that a he's in charge because he's not doing that by himself which i like so there's like a, there's definitely like a minion and like leader relationship there so it's cool that like you get these parademons like dragging these atlanteans out like at his feet which is great and the cgi looked amazing in that scene as well for because it's kind of like a dimly lit sort of uh, yeah, like beach. I don't know. It almost looks like a. It almost looks like a Scottish beach kind yeah. of vibe. Not that yeah. I want to shit on Scotland, <laughs> uh, but like it has that like that dull sort of light, right? Which I find some. I think like that's where CGI would suffer the things like the chrome armor. Like you have to get that really right. So they did, and that looked great. But that was awesome. So it's like him with the interrogation of the Atlantean where he has that like uh, spider thing that's made from his armor, like another cool thing that basically reads the Atlantean's mind. So he's always like able to extract information, which is great because it's it's later said, I read like a bio for the character um, and it's like, it says basically that Steppenwolf is an assassin, which was like, that's a really cool oh, angle on him that because he comes across as quite like warrior-like, but, yeah. it's, but he's basically an assassin of Darkseid. So he does... He will do the like he'll he'll go in and get information and kill people who are in the way. So I was like, but on a planetary scale. So that's a really cool like nod to that. I thought that he has like a a means to interrogate, which is the referenced again later in the film. But then the actual meat of the of when he gets to Atlantis was like I said, another another like demo of why he of, of him being a threat. So like the moment he shows up is a very horror intro, isn't it? Because he sort yeah, of comes like up the, like the... Yeah, like looks over the edge and then he... Like, like a well kind of thing. Yeah, yeah so you, you, you get that like... It, the only way I can liken it into it is it's kind of like... It's not at all like it, but it made me think a lot of like Jaws. Uh, in the, Like I know it's underwater, so that's an obvious yeah. link, but like he is like a shark in that scene. He's just like tearing about. He looked He looked really natural in any environment but so it makes him more terrifying it's like the fact he's underwater doesn't seem to like slow him down the fact when he's fighting on he, he's like the same in whatever environment he's fighting in so it makes him more scary whereas like i've always i've always maintained that if i was in water and a shark came at me i'd probably just just like hope that that's all i've got because you're no more out of your depth in water than you are when you're attacked by a fucking animal that belongs there right yeah then that's what that scene did for Steppenwolf. It almost makes him look like he can fuck you up wherever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And then there's all like those. That scene was quite gore. Not 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 gore heavy, but there's a fair bit of gore in there. Yeah, where he's like he literally yeah. chops a guy in half, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. It's, and it's cool. And there was like blood in the water kind of stuff. So I feel like it was great for making him look a threat. And then yeah, again, everyone he fights, he's, he just smashes aside, nails. Aquaman through a pillar, like by yeah. ramming him through. The only sort of like thing, like yeah, again, he's never really stopped. He's just stalled. Like so, he was stalled in the miscreant with the with the ropes when they pull him down, but it doesn't work. And then Mira doing the like, um, what, what do they call it? It's like necromancy, but with water. They yeah, call it's it like, like hydromancy the, or something. Yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But she does all that stuff underwater where like she makes like a bubble, so he so he falls, and then like. Um, is using it to like drag the walk. She like tries to get him out of the water by making a bubble around him. Then he's got her against the wall, but then she uses it to try and pull water his blood out, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun, but you never felt like it was going to work at any point. It was yeah. kind of like you're just irritating him. And that's what I liked about it. I felt like it was just another scene that really shows off the villain because I'm, yeah. I'm so pro villain in films. And I'm like, it's not like I want the villain to win. 
necessary because you know that for the, for the sake of 99% of comic book films, it just doesn't work that way. But yeah. I do, I think it's necessary to like actually have a, a level of threat because if I don't watch a film where the villain is like A, intimidating or B, has like, you, you watch it and you think he can genuinely carry, like pull it off, pull off the plan. I feel like the villain's lacking in that respect. Whereas Steppenwolf keeps proving throughout the film and all the scenes that he is like he's he's definitely capable of doing what he set up to do. So you know that you're going to have to do something big to overcome it. Yeah. So he's a it's a really strong villain. It's also just the way that it's like they present him as a villain who's almost well, like they present it as like he is unstoppable on land and he's unstoppable on in sea. Like this guy is just overall unstoppable. And I think it adds to, which we'll, we'll talk about later when we get into the, the kind of later arcs, but it adds to the sense that like without Superman, the world really is at peril and somebody like mm-hmm. Steppenwolf yeah. can just attack anywhere, anytime and can defeat these like, like beings who are considered to be, you know, strong or some form of gods or whatever and i think that really mm. kind of lends itself to the to the narrative that you know you you need to create a villain who is ultimately a challenge for you know six people who are pretty godlike mm-hmm. and i think having yeah. the atlantean scene just really backs it up for steppenwolf for you but like fuck yeah as, as well as on steppenwolf as well i, I can't remember what scene I don't know if he says it near the Atlantis scene when he does the interrogation of it in the, I think it's actually in the scene at Themyscira at the beginning, but when he says, I thought it was a really good quote when he made, he says uh, about there being no protectors. Yep. Was, and it, originally, I think that was in one of the early trailers, for yeah, the film, it was, but it yeah. never ended up, I don't think it ended up in the theatrical cut. I don't think so. But he says, he says about, um, he, he says that everyone's too divided and fighting, what a, busy fighting one another, basically, that, yeah, the world the world will end if it's attacked, and I did think that's quite a real reflection on yeah it's like, on act on the world as it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's 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 like a bit too true yeah. when you hear it. You're like, damn, he's right because I mean, obviously, there's in, the, in this world, unfortunately, we don't have uh, the Flash and Batman, and although someone definitely should be Batman by now, because there's however many fucking billionaires out there, but that aside. There's no like, there is no great protector of Earth, and in in the event that something came along that none of us can be individually, that quote is so so like so right. It's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, damn. I did sort of sit there and was like, that's depressing because that's <laughs> true. Like <laughs> everyone is just too busy fighting one another to be worried about coming together and yeah. saving everyone. So although it's a very like it it's made for the film like the quote because obviously that's what happens in the end it is it is very like damning of yeah. reality and but, no I, I thought like it's good they've got a villain who's kind of like poetic in that way and I, I i think with that it's probably a good chance to to end part three and go into part four part four then change machine the first thing actually i'm going to talk about both these because they're, they're linked together so the first thing is Obviously, this is the one where you kind of see the team teaming up for the first time. And I like the fight scene. You know, it plays out really similar to the theatrical. But I think in this one, you get more of a sense of just how scrappy the fight is. Like, nothing goes to plan. It's all a bit like 
hit and miss. They're sort of just finding their way. There's something nice about that because it pays off later on down the road. And I think that's a nice story point to put into one of these kind of like big superhero films is like the first outing, it just goes wrong. And linked to that as well, you get that really cool flash scene where he saves all those people with the building crumbling, which again, why anybody would remove that it's just a cool visual like it it shows off the flash's powers and i feel like that in any film should just be there because it it's a cool that's what you want from a superhero film i think is like you want to see these people use their powers and him just stopping all these building kind of bits falling is just awesome is that when they're going up the stairs i can't yeah 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 it's after that, isn't it? I yeah, did like the, you make a point. You say it's, it's like an imperfect thing, though. They didn't, they still don't quite get it right. And even with yeah. the rubble falling, it's the same with Flash, isn't it? Because he, he saves as much as he can, but then Cyborg shows up and blows away the last piece they hadn't caught. So yeah. it yeah. does like highlight the fact that they're still not in they're sync rookies. with one another. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's like Cyborg attacks but, first and then Wonder Woman attacks, mm-hmm. and it's all just like nothing going yeah. right. Yeah, I yeah no plan. You feel like it. You feel like they're together, as only to the point where, like, literally, they're stood on the bridge. Where you're thinking, "Oh, Batman's going to now step," and he'd be like, "Here's how. Right, here's how we're going to play it." But it's already fucked. So yeah, I did enjoy that as well. It's fun. And I yet yeah, again back onto Steppenwolf in this scene when he first sees Wonder Woman. They're like the. I remember that before the film came out, they're saying that his armor like reacts to his emotions, ripples and things. And that, when he sees Wonder Woman and like senses she's like Omega Amazonian, he has the, the big like armor ripple thing goes off. I was like, yeah, visual madness, loved it. Like, That's cool. They as well, just isn't kept it? delivering, yeah, because he doesn't. Uh, he's not scared of anyone, is he? That's the cool thing about no. like Steppenwolf. There's mm. no hesitation, isn't? He? He's like, right, okay, yeah, I'm gonna fuck you up on this bridge. And then I'll take care of that guy swinging mm. around like a lunatic, and then we'll see where I am. Yeah, it's... he's just continually like a threat. Which I mean, it's a point we said before, but it's what makes him a good villain for the film because there's 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 you can't really see a way for him to lose. And yet again, this sequence where he fights all the Justice League for the first time, he's still pretty comfortably top of things. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's another good good like outing for the villain as well going off of Steppenwolf there as well this part is the part where he finds the anti-life that he sort of realises and I thought that's again my next point is that oh yeah, you get the introduction of like Desaad and Darkseid and, and what he's he's kind of doing as well as yeah. his cool armour change where he just kind of like shrinks down because he sees Darkseid and mm-hmm. adding that to it just adds this whole other level that the stakes just get higher that you're like oh fuck like Steppenwolf is a badass, but he is ultimately serving somebody else who's like fuck knows how bad he's going to be. I was yeah. thinking about the anti life equation. Yeah, I think even though I've I've now watched it almost the second time all the way through, but they play it as if he's found the anti life equation is on Earth, right? Yes, yeah. Steppenwolf. But Darkseid must have known it was there originally, right? Because that's why yeah. he was. I saw a thing about this that basically, like somebody asked it to Zach. And I think Zach replied and he basically said, yeah, the reason that Darkseid forgot where it was was that it was like centuries ago and his injury was so like extensive that it was just like he blacked out that he just can't yeah. really remember it. I didn't um, get the impression he was there because of the anti-life thing. I thought not, he I, was just there to conquer worlds with the yeah, boxes. I think and he then just he fucked up it. and lost the boxes. I didn't yeah. realise he'd... Yeah. I, 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 I never watched I it, it thinking, how come he didn't realise the first time? 
Yeah, I don't know. Because both I think... times I've watched it, I thought he because isn't it when he smashes the hammer when he yeah. when he lands the first time? Isn't that when he smashes the hammer and he says? Doesn't he say something about it? Or he? No, it sort of shows him like I think he. Uh, I can't remember what he's doing. He does something and then it cuts to a scene where he like is just walking out about and then he like smashes the ground and he finds it and then he goes back and says, "This is hard. I found." But he has like a dream, just like a vision. Doesn't yeah, he? Um, I assumed it was. He has like a. Like yeah, because he touches the mother box and the mother box yeah. shows him. Yeah, that it's there. Yeah. So then he sees that it's there and then tells. I don't really, um, I don't really buy that he would forget about it, even if he has been like. Yeah, I think it's yeah, loose. I just, um, okay. I feel like the, the the explanation of just going like it was centuries ago is enough. Like for yeah. for a god that's lived mm. for centuries, like you're not going to remember everything. So I feel like I'd buy that more than just like, oh yeah, he was wounded and forgot, but. Yeah, seems like he's I didn't even realise that's what he was there for. I generally was thinking like, oh, he's just shown up to conquer worlds with the mother boxes because they were his at that time, right? And that's yeah. all he was just on like a conquest that was never ending, I'm assuming, because he's the big bad. I just well, thought that's what was going isn't on. It because I didn't realise he was there for it in the first place. Isn't it because you need all three mother boxes to like activate? Anti- yeah, the anti-life. Yeah. yeah. That's the way I, I that's the way I portrayed it from the beginning is that when he landed there, he well, was... But that's surely what he you don't for, need he found them, it. Because of the, what... Surely you don't need the mother boxes, though, because at the end of the film, he's going to Earth to get anti-life, and he knows the boxes are destroyed. Because he says to decide, he's like, the mother boxes are gone. He's like, well, well, don't worry, we'll just do it the old way. So, like, I feel like the mother boxes are just a tool to destroy worlds. And he's found out that the anti-life equation is on Earth after... I've, maybe I've read it wrong. I've but only seen it the one. No, so. it can't be because haven't they still got a mother box? But yeah, that is a in weird nightmare one. timeline. Isn't that the thing? Yeah, they do still have a mother box in the nightmare yeah, timeline. Don't, I don't think they destroy them. Do I they? they? Yeah, I don't think they get destroyed. I think they just separate them. Yeah, because Desad says with the with the mother boxes destroyed, how will you conquer yeah, Earth? Because they don't destroy them, do they? I think don't yeah. they keep them? I think yeah. they separate yeah. them, don't they? I yeah. think I thought they separated them, and then Cause, yeah, because I'm pretty sure. Like, it's almost like, oh, we'll keep these in separate places again. We won't bury it in the woods. I feel like I've thrown a huge spanner in the works here. You might be right, though, Harry. I mean, I haven't got to the end of the second run through yet, so maybe you're right. Or yeah, I'm not sure. I just but... feel like that was the, that was what Desad says to him at the end, but I could be wrong. Maybe because they definitely I need to probably watch it a second time. They've got it. I thought maybe I thought moment. maybe he's. I can't remember now, but isn't it like they're lost? It's almost like they're lost to them because yeah. Uh, oh, maybe he says with the mother boxes lost. Maybe yeah, the Justice League have them, but. Either way, yeah. I'll finish. I'll probably finish it tomorrow, so I can uh, I can yeah. check. It's not not good for this podcast, but we'll all know. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So then the what were we saying? The I think we 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 wrapped it up. Luckily, but I was going to we say, skipped Alfred and Wonder Woman making tea. Uh, I think so. We that's have. the best. That's the best bit in the film. That was cool. Yeah, it was very I did cool. Enjoy that. Very nice addition, and uh, also. The the section where the Justice League show up at the the Batcave and Batman says, "This is Alfred. I work for him." Yeah, I was like I like that, that old joke. I swear there was some fun that little tidbits. Yeah, part five where they decide to bring suits back. Oh shit! Have I jumped? I think you jumped in the head. <laughs> oh my god! Um, We're all over the place now. We've scattered. I am jumping ahead. Okay. The the mother box thing has just absolutely right. done my brain. Get us back on track, Nick. Okay, so this bit is definitely Nick. Where were we? So Bring me back. The next okay. thing I wanted to talk about is Martha and Lois, their Ugh. conversation. See, I really like their conversation. I think it's okay. pretty, pretty strong. 
it's way better than it is in the theatrical. The theatrical's like, what the fuck is going on? And then the the you know the addition that it's Manhunter, I'm 50-50 on. I don't know if I like it because I like Martha's stent, like sentiment of like you need to get back out into the world because I like that grief cycle that she's going through. I like the idea that the conversation of going like you need to like the world needs Lois Lane. The Manhunter bit sort of like lessens the impact for me a little bit because I don't totally. get. I just think that what his stake is in it, in terms of like, why does he need it's Lois? Stupid. The whole point of that is just, yeah. just it ruins that whole. That scene is good until that bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was kind of like fifty-fifty again. I was like, I like, I like the fact it. I like, I like it for essentially just showing off that that guy is much of a manhunter. But it does make the conversation a bit null, doesn't it? You're yeah. like, oh, I, like I feel I like that would a be a, great, a better conversation if it was actually Lois and Martha. <laughs> Yeah, which like, and I think it's, the thing is, I get yeah. that like him and like I get that Swanwick and Lois have a relationship in the all three Men of Steel and Bat Soups. Like they're the ones that talk about Superman. That it's like she goes to him when she's investigating the bullet in Bat Soups, and in Men of Steel, like they've got a bit of a relationship there. So I get why the idea is there for him to like portray Martha to have that conversation, but I don't get why he couldn't just have that conversation with her in general. Because yeah, they clearly have that relationship. It's almost. I think the the main problem I have with it is it happens at a point in the film where, and he obviously shows up at the end. It's it makes no sense for Manhunter to really be in the film because his point at the end is that he he's been involved with the world so because he's got a stake in it or whatever. He says um, it's time he started helping out, right? Yeah, and he's obviously done the thing with Lois. The conversation earlier, you think, well, why didn't you show up for the fucking the big fight at the end? And yeah. I feel like Manhunter wasn't in it enough in when it mattered for him to even really be in the fucking film necessarily. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it, they needed to bring him up in that it's a cool, it's, it's a great touch that Swanwick is, is Manhunter, yeah, but it I felt f- like a shoehorned way of doing it. And I think his, his appearance in both scenes wasn't needed either way. I feel like, I don't yeah. know how I'd have improved it or where, where I'd have done better. I, mean, I like, couldn't. I just we'll, wouldn't have put him in. We'll get to the the final scene later on, but the, for this scene, mm. I just think it should have been two separate things. I think there should have been the conversation between Martha and Lois as what it is, and then I think if you want to introduce Manhunter, you do it in a different way, because mm. I think the the two scenes just don't jam. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if there's nothing else in part four, and we're ready to move on to part five, I think. Yeah. I think we're good. So part five, all the King's men. This is probably one where I've got a, I've got a fair bit because a lot happens. A lot goes down in part five. Opening up with there's the conversation between Cyborg and Flash when they're digging up Clark's body. I, again, I don't understand why they'd cut this, but I absolutely love Flash again in the scene kind of saying like, he's my hero. Like, it's so simple. It's so like effective that you're just like, he's doing this and he's recognizing that he's like his hero. But there is a part of him that knows it's kind of wrong. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it's somber. It's it's like what it should be. I love that, and I, I like at the same time. You know, you had the backstory of Wonder Woman and Aquaman talking about like the battle between Atlanteans and uh, Amazons. That conversation that they're just like, you know, they share a saying. Stuff like that, you know, 
that's the stuff that I guess you could cut if you were making it into a theatrical cut, but it's a nice little scene just to be like, oh, there's history here. But I don't know if it would be. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the terrible error that Warner Brothers made. And I'm sure we'll touch about it right at the end. But some of those scenes are crucial, aren't they? It's crucial that these characters get to know each Interact. other and talk to each other. It's yeah. good that Ackerman and Wonder Woman talk about what's gone in the past because it shouldn't be ignored. It's good that Flash has a bit of banter with one of the other characters that isn't just Bruce Wayne. It's good that they it's good that they actually talk about the fact that they're digging up Superman. Like, yeah. The guy, they just... Some of, it, some of it should have been left in. It's, it's hard to even think about how you would fit all of the stuff that Zack Snyder wanted in there in a two, two and a half hour film, even yeah. though it's nonsense because they could have easily just released a three hour film. It works, doesn't it? But the yeah. game gained in it. I feel so, like there is a three hour cut of this that they could have made. Definitely. 100% there's a three hour cut that Warner Brothers and Zack Snyder could have got on board with and we all yeah. would be happy and we would have mm, yeah. started doing a podcast two years Wait. earlier. Yeah. So it would have worked. But mm. that scene is... It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I think just you can't just throw a bunch of you can't just throw these characters together that have so much history and just expect it to be right. Yeah, we're on a ship. We're going to go and beat Steppenwolf up. Like, it has to be more to it. And that scene, even just it probably was only five minutes, surely yeah. something yeah. like that. Nothing to it. A, le- a lot gets done. So I, mm. I love like linked to that is Alfred's like pep talk to to Bruce 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 Bruce. So he sort of says, like, you know, uh, you've got to be ready for what this is going to be. And you've got Batman kind of saying, I'm operating purely on on faith. That's the character development that, you, like, this conversation is like his opposite talk to how he is in Bat Soups, where he's talking about Superman. And he's like, you know, if, if there is even a 1% chance that this guy's going to mess us up, we have to take it as an absolute. This is the complete opposite of that. that he's like, I can't operate on that anymore. That I've got to operate yeah. on something mm-hmm. else. And I love that that's the the journey of his character. That's something that was missing in the theatrical is like, you know, everybody criticizes for how dark Batman is in BBS. But wrongly. But just throw that in. <laughs> here, this is this is why. Like, you know, you've had a character who's down in the dumps and then Superman is the reason that he's changed. He's the reason that he's He's got a little bit more of something, and this scene is that. Um, also, just sorry, before I forget, I'm, I am jumping, sorry, just sure. because it's just talking about Bruce Wayne's journey a little bit, but the fact that they actually mention the nightmare scene from Batman vs Superman, and they actually pinpoints, like, because that would that was not in the theatrical cut, like, that guy there, I saw him in some sort of vision, and that links those two together as well, because it was yeah. like Bruce knows, Bruce knows that this, that he mm. has to go through this thing with Superman, because he has to get, he has to try and avoid that at all costs, and he still thinks Superman is the right way to go about that. But it just there's so much more riding on it because of these small scenes. Yeah, um, like the Atlanteans and the Amazonians coming together to stop this, and Bruce Wayne still getting Flash involved. It just all of those scenes count. Just link. Um, yeah. yeah. So again, we kind of see like Lois's grief in this chapter as well, like seeing her on her own. Bit of music, it's a bit of like hope t- tied into it, and then you get the casual shot of the like pregnancy test, which is like a huge kind of thread to start laying in. But I like that that's the thing that is almost like I'll bring that, that brings her back into the world. That she's like, Okay, today's the day, like I'm just gonna get up, I'm gonna do this, and this is gonna give me the hope to kind of move, move forward. I really like that. I like that it's just that's her 
her character arc in this is just going through the grief and then it's like the day of superman's resurrection is almost the day that she's like okay i'm ready to move on and then she's just given up on him yeah and then she's hit with it and it just it plays out so well because of just the way that it's done like the way that they've told her her story of of mourning clark yeah i just thought huge really really good so one of the biggest moments from this chapter i think is cyborg's vision that when they go to activate and and bring superman back again i can understand you know at this point why they would cut it from the theatrical cut because they've clearly gone down a completely different path and you know this is leaning into the kind of darker side of everything but as somebody who's a fan of the the nightmare world i think it's awesome to see all of this stuff like dark side killing aquaman him like approaching clark in the bat cave with i assume lois lane's body wonder woman dead like fucking kilowog just lying dead at the halls of justice it's all just stuff that you're just like this is awesome and then at the end of that kind of snapshot scene you get the like line of dialogue that's like the future has taken root in the present and there's just this fucking ominous feel that you're like oh shit i love how that's done i agree yeah just thought it was so cool you also get some cool shots of just i mean omega beams i I was gonna say that yeah (laughs) yeah you never knew how they'd play that off in the film like because i remember you see it in the comics, like the, the zigzaggy lines getting everything like that's really fucking jarring. Like it works as a comic, but I was like, don't know how that with like Snyder's vision, because well, like, the way he's done like Superman's laser eyes and things, like it feels very like real. And I was like, I don't know how great it would look, but, but it looked great. <laughs> so it's savage as well. I was all over it. It cuts through somebody when he does it, and mm. you're like, oh. I, what I liked about it is it, it's like because I, I didn't notice the first time it's Aquaman he like impales in that yeah. sequence yeah. I, I just because it's so lazy so like yeah again it's, it's such a massive nod for villains it's like this guy's the baddest MF yeah. period and it's like he, he literally just like casually like one hand impales Aquaman dead like toast and at the same time the beams are kicking off murdering everyone who's nearby like yeah this guy's absolute animal they yeah. did it paints dark side hard that, yeah. like if the if the like oozas uaxas whatever you want to call it sequence earlier didn't that one does you're like yeah. damn like, like here's at a level where how do you beat that it's a bit different to thanos sending people to dust yeah it's, yeah especially yeah. when you see like lois's like body skeleton corpse as well because you assume that she's just been done in by omega beams and you just well, like, wasn't, I didn't know um, just at that point. Is it Lois or is it meant to be Lois and Superman's child because of the pregnancy test thing? Could be uh, me throwing another spanner in here. I'm just no, saying. So, so, from what I understand, somewhere. like having looked at Zach's like, plan, is that that is Lois's body because so Soup's is still in his black suit. Yeah. And That's fine. It makes perfect sense either way. But I just yeah. heard. From what I get, child theory, and was like, it's like Batman hides her in the Batcave, and Darkseid like booms in, and basically says to Batman like, "Stop this," and then just rinses Lois, and um, and then that huge moment, like turns that he's just like broken, yeah, 
and so I just how does how does Dark Side turn him? Does that, is that like was that ever explained? It's basically, in any way? yeah, it's like anti life, but also just broke his will. Superman's, yeah. yeah, Superman's broken. Yeah, yeah, mm. he's like okay. I, makes I, sense. They do like yeah, they do a version of it in um, not through Dark Side though. It's through I think it's Joker in Injustice. I did wonder if it was an injustice thing because I was like, "That's they break Superman." Like they kill Lois, and then Superman basically becomes like uh, a, a villain, essentially. Sure. Just uh, beats the shit into the Justice League. Nice, good. And then, like immediately after the the kind of vision scene, and, and Supes is back, we've got the the Superman fight scene with the League, which I think I've I, I liked it in the theatrical, but it never quite landed there was something about it it's pretty like, much the same wasn't it other than the ending right because i remember yeah. that being yeah. one of the few bits from the theatrical that i really enjoyed so i was yeah, like, like flash flash like, yeah superman was a really yeah. good bit wasn't yeah. it yeah yeah like the especially the part where he's holding cyborg and wonder woman back and you see flash flashes to try and run rings around him and then you just get that like slow turn from like the gaze superman is awesome. as he sees him yeah. yeah the gaze is awesome and yeah, Ezra Miller's reaction is, is awesome. like, fuck. And he, yeah. the best thing is that Flash doesn't stop being slow either. He's just like, okay, uh, being fast. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, I don't, I've got no plan B. Like, yeah. speed is what I have and he can see me. But it's, uh, it's very mm. good. The, 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 like, the dodging thing was great where he's like, Superman's just yeah. like, it's not, I don't, it's not like, he's almost like he's not trying to hit him. He's just trying to dislodge him because he's doing like swipes, yeah. isn't he? And it's like, yeah. The force of the air is like sending flash off and it makes him trip and that I was yeah it was super cool yeah. big fan and like like you said like the ending of it like in the theatrical cut is just one of the worst scenes ever dreadful Batman it's just fucking shit mm. um, like just awful but in this one it's way more menacing like the fact that Superman does go to kill Batman and he's like mm. I yeah know. Well, basically, it's. Do you know what I love? I was wondering how that was going to play out, but then he's got the um, he's got the gauntlet things. But my 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 brain, the way it dissected the things, like the shoes ripping off right and clothes not being able to hack it, I was like, even if those gauntlets can take the beams, how are you able to hold your arm up in the way of that? Do you know what I mean? Like, surely those beams are like fucking mega. So I was like, I know he's Batman, and I can allow it. It doesn't bother me too much. But I was like, I, f- I feel like the block would have been way more, way less, you know, like aimed. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he wouldn't have been able to hold that shit off. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I'd have liked it to have been like a blast that he sort of deflected and it just fucked him into the car. But I, I did like, I appreciate how he takes it off afterwards and stuff because it's obviously super hot and yeah. yeah. But no, it was it was way way better than the. The theatrical I, version, which I was really like awful, as well. When Superman returns, that there is like a pause. That it's like the the scene where he's like flying in the air. The way that the pacing of the the moment is done is that it's almost like everybody reacts to it. And the last one is Lois, but like Lois is is like you hold on it, and it's just yeah. like it feels completely still. Yeah, and I do like that because then when she comes in at the end with him. It's almost just more meaningful. It's less like Batman yeah. and to be like he'll stop her. It's more like she's just seen it and it had to be there. Yeah. I tell you one thing about that sequence, which makes perfect sense though, which we've just crossed over a little bit, but the dark side flashback, right? So when you watch the theatrical version, Cyborg's on the alert against Superman, and you don't know why. It doesn't really explain it. But when you watch this cut, you realize he's moments ago 
his his he's tapped into the mother box and seen Superman killing everyone in the future yeah. as a bad yeah. thing. So when Superman's resurrected, it makes perfect sense that his uh, all his like auto defenses are ready to be like, no fucking whoa, stop that guy. So yeah, it can it completely explains why Cyborg's the one to like trip out yes. and like kick it off. Whereas in yeah. the theatrical cut, you're like, there's no. There's no, there's no real explanations. It's like, I can see why you'd think he was a threat if you're a computer, but it wasn't like explained. Whereas this version, because it's got like, he's seen the vision of him in the future. It makes perfect sense why he's he's acting that way, which a lot of people I saw picked up on. I was like, yeah, that is that does make that does make perfect sense. I like comparatively. That at all. I just assumed yeah. he was uh, like, he sensed the threat, but obviously at that point, yeah. Superman's not really posing any sort of a threat, really. So. Yeah, it works. It works as like a, threat based because you are watching it thinking like shit I don't know what's going on here but like for him to like whip out a fucking gun and be ready to blast at him you're like that's a bit of an overreaction for like AI right yeah but no when you when you think he's literally just seen him killing everyone in the name of the, the big bad you're like ah that's why yeah. but yes yeah, that was really cleverly thought out as well it's kind of made that more necessary I think the like the other nightmare scene the little flash forward yeah, just sort of which otherwise could have been cut. Yeah, yeah. And then at, at the end of it, you've got Silas Stone sacrificing himself. I also want to take this chance just to say that Silas Stone. I think it's awesome that Zach cast. I've forgotten the actor's name, but that actor to play his dad, because that actor created Skynet in Terminator, and I think that's such a nice touch that it's like Wait, what he in. in- in Terminator 1 or 2, whichever one it is where they find the creator of Skynet, he is the guy that created Skynet. So in two oh, the films... Is insane. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant he wrote the Skynet arc for no, the Terminator films. No. So I was like, what? So in, like, <laughs> in two films, he's huge. created these like, right, yeah. huge... They are, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, that is fun. Yeah, just a nice little touch. Um, and another sequence again, which, because I'm obviously Mr. Steppenwolf in this podcast... It does. It's another sequence that makes you realise Stephen yeah, again cannot be fucked with because obviously activating the mother box to bring back Superman, but in doing so they realise it's going to ping to the baddies, like they'll be able to see where it is. And he shows up again, takes it with pretty easy. ease, essentially. Yeah. yeah, just sort of walks in, has it, mocks them and fucks off. And you're like, yeah, again, can't be fucked with. Yeah. So another good nod and he still looks glorious again yeah. like that doesn't change <laughs> okay so unless anybody's got anything to add we can move on to part six yeah sure yeah no i think i think we're there for so part six something darker the first thing i picked up on is there's like a shot of superman and it pulls out and there's like the swings and it like when he's back home it's such a perfect shot because it's so reminiscent of man of steel and it's just so, I love that they take the time. Again, it's for our cuts, so like they can, but I feel like that's something that still would have been in the theatrical because it's it's like meaningful to his arc. It's meaningful to, to who Clark is. And there's like a, a sort of sense of bringing him back to earth. And it's this stillness of just like being reminded of like a kid. I just thought it was really, really nice. Um, I'm with you. Uh, I feel like Superman wasn't too overdone as well. Like Superman and Batman in this one are kind of, Although they're central to the story, they're like secondary characters. The films I felt was more about Flash, Cyborg, and and um, Aquaman as like a trio, 
and then the one the the main um, what do you call them the Trinity was cut was, had uh, took a bit of a back seat, which was nice because I always feel Superman is like being the most powerful thing in it. It's very easy to like overstate him and like push it. So he was in it, I think, the perfect amount. And like the scene you say where he's resurrected and the stuff on the farm was really reminiscent of Man of Steel. So it wasn't yeah, it wasn't too in your face. It was I, nice. I really it's like the, isn't it? It's yeah, Superman mm. is very much like him. Yeah, and I really like the scene where he's got like the butterfly and it's sort of just like going in between his fingers. Um, Someone I saw made a link to that with the trailer for Man of Steel where you see a butterfly that's trapped oh, yeah. in the chains of the swing and they said something poetic about that being like him in the in Man of Steel because he's basically got all these powers that make him unique and beautiful, as it were, butterfly. Uh, but he's he's chained by what's right and wrong or, or like the world the way it sees him and now he, it's like when it comes through to justice league there's it's like he's he's free now because he's almost like he's completed his arc and he's he's begun again almost yeah. which butterfly again so, so a little good. touch i guess intentional or not <clears throat> we also get in this chapter we get the the kind of the league setting out what their plan is how they're gonna take on steppenwolf which we get the the dialogue that's been thrown around for the whole whole kind of marketing bit of it, which is not us united. That's something that I always wondered why was that cut from the theatrical? Because it's it's just a great Justice League line. Like, yeah. Why would you do that? But tied into it, you get that moment between Arthur and Barry. And this is the bit that I was on about where it's almost like Arthur's journey is the bit where Arthur's like, is Cyborg okay? Because the guy's just lost his dad. And it's for me that was the bit that sort of tied that with the the sadness of the singing that it's just like this character's gone from being like the ultimate nomad the ultimate kind of loner to like maybe there's something to be said for for supporting each other and being part of something and i think that's really nice and barry picks up on it as well barry's you know kind of makes the the connection that he's just like did you just basically get involved mm. i like that i thought that was really really nice and just a good character moment yeah. It's a good lines because he says, um, oh, he's like, what does he say? He's like, wait, you actually care? Or, yeah, because he says, like that, yeah. I never said that or whatever. Yeah. Because um, like, you, you do off. get the impression that he doesn't, he doesn't give a shit. And yeah. then he sort of low key does the checkmate, doesn't he? Where he's like, well, I never said that. Like, yeah, I obviously do. But yeah, then, it's a nice moment. And it's peppered with moments like that throughout the whole film, I felt like from the graveyard. Definitely digging up Superman to everything. There's yeah. so many like little lines that are just, they make, they make the interactions with the characters so much better. Like it gives, like you said, Luke, as you feel like it's not just a film that's like showcasing the individual things. It's, it really does pay a lot of attention to like team building. Why? Yeah. Team building and, and like togetherness yeah. Yeah. and all that. Um, yeah. And following off of that, you'll, that scene is like is pretty much followed by the introduction of the flying fox, which is very cool. But you also get Batman saying the Faith Alfred Faith line, which obviously is now like a huge meme that I keep seeing thrown around. But in the context of the film, I think going into a final battle, that's kind of the, the thing that you almost want to hear Batman say is like faith. I just thought it was really cool and it, it it gives the league that full circle that it's like the first time they went to battle, they had no plan and it fell apart. And this time they've got a plan and they're sticking to it. That's yeah. the team. That's the 
the like you they play to each other's strengths more don't they that's the thing they yeah. know who can who can do what and how they can execute it and it you know yeah mm-hmm. obviously it works and like before we get into the fight the 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 big end fight you get soups doing his flying scene like flight scene part two which i bloody loved as a superman fan mm. like the way that it's done with the him walking down with the suit which we'd seen before because it was a deleted scene on the theatrical but with this you've got Jorel talking over it you've got Jonathan kent talking over it you've got all the that was a cool jewel thing and then you've got him flying and there's like fucking amazing shot of him where he's just like in the sun and it's just the whole thing is just huge um that's where it feels even more like his trilogy isn't it especially when you get those cuts of uh jonathan kent and stuff speaking and that that, what they're them saying it over it and yeah sort of like this is where he started and this is where he's gone and now he's yeah he's he's the man isn't he yeah it's it is the arc they say there isn't about the, the quote about uh Essentially, the whole quote of Jorel's his dad, where he's saying about they'll follow behind you and stumble and fall, but together they'll join you in the sun. It's essentially exactly what happens from that because, like you said, they failed attempts to to be what Superman was, which is like the ultimate savior. And then eventually, at the end, they they are all in that last shot stood together in the in the sun, literally. Yeah, and Batman like, stumbling, isn't it? Batman stumbling. Time. Yeah, trying to, exactly. Trying to finish him, isn't it? Yeah. He's just, thinks he's uh, exactly and it's it falls in line so it's cleverly it's very cleverly done it is like the underlying thing and i did love the the like i said the dual commentary between jonathan kent and jurel the like back and forth as much as like his his real that's jurel you're like you can't fuck with kevin costner man that guy (laughs) has to has to dip in on this so like the the kevin costner and um fuck blank again uh russell crowe thank you like voices made did make that really cool it was like you said flight 2.0 good good scene strong huge i'm gonna for for ease i'm just gonna jumble this all into into one because we're in the big action scene now but just a couple of pointers here that i picked up on that i just thought was awesome first of all i thought kieran hines was amazing as Wolf, as you said harry but like in terms of his dialogue and his delivery especially in this last fight i thought was especially great um shakespeare yeah. shit isn't it yeah, yeah. like he, he's just really strong like he's got a good vocal range and it's just impacting all of it but a lot of the action that we get in this act is just amazing i mean the big one i guess is the the like league shot where there's like the batmobile and all of them and the score is just fucking enormous and you mean mm. they call that the they call that the Age of Ultron shot? Just so you know. Yeah, it is. Do they? Well, it is basically. <laughs> I was just trying to annoy Nick. It is similar to <laughs> Ultron. It's just not side on. But but yeah, I thought that shot was mega. And I think just going into it, it just it feels way more epic. But also like the stakes are just way higher than they exactly. Were. It's exactly why I, I wrote down stakes. Stakes are higher. Yeah, it looks better. It's not yeah. fucking purple. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone comes off strong, including Steppenwolf. Like, yeah, mm. really. They good. they don't belittle the villains or big up the heroes too, too like too far either direction. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone, everyone in that scene shows off their strengths, but is carried by someone else who can help them out. Like Batman saved again by Wonder Woman, but like he he's the one who essentially fucking holds shit together. Like. It made, makes perfect sense for him to be the one who just fucking gets in. Do you know what I mean? It's like, 
like of all the characters you like and I feel like they played it so strong that he's the one who goes in with the flying fox initially just just pure brute force which yeah. is what you've seen him do in this version of the character just like fucking missiles I'm in that's yeah. that's the line like I think Batman has to have in like a in any sort of sequence like that he has to be the the key he's he, he's the one who gets them in right and then past that point he's basically a distraction because you're like well what the fuck else can he do so he's, he's got his like fucking speedy car like and he's bombing around shooting shit and causing mayhem as a bit of a distraction until everyone else can sort of get on side and then you've got like flash can't do much other than be fast and try and take out the and it's like it's clever that like no one of them stands out too much in that whole sequence they're they're all like it's like the perfect amount of one another like it's, it's really cleverly joined it makes it makes it gives like a proper team feel no one's like carrying anything and they all deliver like a, a role especially yeah. as like it comes towards the end you've got Batman is basically on mopping up duty. So he's just bombing around trying to take out the the, the people on like the turrets, the parademons. Whereas you've got the, the heavies like Aquaman and Wonder Woman and Cyborg. They're the three going in. Flash is fucking just staying fast to charge that, up. That like, flash scene is awesome as well. Mm. Like that that's the mm. thing that I wanted to talk about most with this last act is that like the fact that they cut him reversing time, that they were like yeah. That doesn't need to be maniacs. Is mental. And I read afterwards that Zach said that was something even he had to fight for in the like first time he was making it. That they were like, we don't madness. Why the fuck not? Because it looks like that is my favorite scene from the the film because it's just it's so powerful. Like his dialogue is amazing. The way it's done, like Mm. all the little bits rebuilding. like the way that it gets to people and their body like rebuilds it's just everything in that scene is utterly epic and i don't mm. know why anyone would go please remove that like you know point is, the thing as well though that for, for like for purposely for people like me because i know i'm not alone there are there are millions of us out there who love the fucking villains like we're in it for the villains and you want deep down you want the villains to win and it's like that satisfies everyone on my team because the villains won. Like the and we don't care that they reverse time and and win ultimately, but you it proves the point that the baddies had won at that stage. You know, what I mean, like even Superman showing back up didn't stop the unity and the fucking world was lost, right? So you, it's like it satisfies people who want to see the 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 baddies win because you've ultimately got the the nightmare scenes that do that, but the. The ultimate point of the of that last sequence is if Flash wasn't there, the baddies have won, and they and they do. Like you sit watching it, and when the Flash gets tagged by the cannon and he's fucked, you're like, you, I was watching that whole part. Like I really don't see how how they've got this. Like Batman can do nothing now. Like they're all stood in front of Steppen. Uh, is Steppen dead? No, no, they haven't killed him, no, have they? No, but no. he's he's been battered by Superman. But they're stood in front of the Unity. Dark side's there. It's like the Flash can't get there quick enough to stop anything. They're fucked, and you just, yeah. you watch them die essentially. And the and you're you're essentially the Flash in that scene, just watching everything tear apart. Like it fucking vaporizes Superman, which is like whoa. Yeah. Didn't think you'd get that in a film. Like it's pretty like visceral about it. Like it doesn't matter about. It. It's like full stop. The baddies won at that point. So like for people like me who want to see a bit of evil victory, like. Like when 
you got Avengers and Thanos snapped his fingers. I was watching that whole sequence thinking it wasn't going to happen. And like when the axe thing came down and fucks him up, I was like, oh, they've, they've, they've binned it. He's not going to do it. But he did. Those were the moments that I, I live for in film. So when you actually saw the consequences of the baddies winning, even though it's reversed, it's like it satisfies me to be like it was it was all for something. Do you know what I mean? Like they've, they've built up Steppenwolf as a, a capable villain. They then have Superman show up, which is able to beat him. You're like, oh, okay, if that's how it ends, that's how it ends. But they they took it a step beyond to show you, like, no, it, they still can't win. So it it made it made the the sequence of the Flash as well, like so much more epic. In in yeah. that, like, they've already they've already lost at this stage. So like, what he was doing and like the thing he says about his dad, uh, well, to his dad, doesn't he, when he's running. Um, and then you see as you see like the, the damage it caused when he gets closer to the the unity because you see sort of um, you see Superman like like all the gory splashy stuff of him just like tear tearing apart it goes in reverse so you see Superman get rebuilt and then Cyborg get rebuilt and you're like it like it reminds you how like fucked they were so um, yeah that, that's that was epic like big big fun. It's- I love as well, like the score makes such a difference in this film because the score is just so big. But especially for that scene, that it's like it, the the unity bit hits, and then there's just like this like guitar that kicks in. That's almost like this like waiting clock kind of sound. It's like a guitar that's just like da 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 da, and you're like, oh fuck, like what are they gonna do? And then as he starts running back and everything's rebuilding, the score just becomes this grand like sweeping thing, and it's just like mm-hmm. you're like you're kind of really invested in it you're just like this is this is what i want from a justice league film this is epic in every way and i don't know why it wasn't there and i also don't know why it's not canon like out of all the scenes what the fuck yeah exactly Uh, so yeah yeah so but yeah it's distressing isn't it and obviously before we go into the epilogue we've got dark side fully making his entrance and known to the league which is, I think, an awesome villain entrance by standing on Steppenwolf's head. That's cool, just, isn't it? That mm-hmm. bit when he just step, just that them like Wonder Woman chopping off his head and all of that stuff is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it's just very cool. When and you've like, got a villain who's been presented so hard as Steppenwolf, when he gets his head cut off and it goes through the portal, like when you've built up a villain, the same way you have Steppenwolf, who's like. A th- such a massive threat throughout the film and is genuinely like pretty sc- the disregard that Darkseid has when he just stomps on his head like he doesn't give a shit about him you think man like how bad can you be when when someone that like capable and dangerous like doesn't even register as like an ant essentially you know, it really does that that shot does like um does make you sort of lean back into the into the seat like fuck this guy's this guy's bad. And then he's got the glowing eyes thing going on as well, which obviously means you're even badder. Yeah. So yeah, it was played out hard, wasn't it? I was yeah. I was big on it. But this was just a point I was going to say where earlier about the CGI, I felt like the CGI when you see him in the flashback is crisp. It's super good. But then you get the it comes, it's fine when you see him show up and he steps on Steppenwolf's head, but it's the last shot. Where it's him and Desaad, and Desaad's like, uh, uh, "How are we gonna 
fit, how are we going to get the anti-life quotient or whatever? And he's like, oh, we'll do it the old way. Assemble the armada and it does that big, he marches down that like cathedral thing they're in. But like something about the CGI there just didn't seem finished. They said, the, they, said they changed very... it quite close to the end. Oh, right. Oh, did they? Yeah. I, I watched the special effects guys talking about like their budget and what they had to work with. And they said that last part was the last thing they worked on that wasn't right. That they basically started again from scratch, Ooh. like with Steppenwolf as oh, well. They had to they had to pull everything back because he was a different size. Yeah, some things didn't mm-hmm. look right, but they said that one was the hardest thing to do, and I think that's probably why. With, right. Yeah. It I think that's probably why it didn't, it didn't look, look great. Yeah, it just wasn't. It looked, as good it, looked, as, it did look it looked fine, good, but it just it didn't it look polished. It yeah, it wasn't as like clean as it looked yeah. in the in the previous sequences but still good scene like good material and if you want to see the big bad like it was a great way to have him step up you know what i mean like he he walks straight in and then you've got like the the portal shot that was cool really cool so yeah i was all over it nice so then the epilogue which i believe i didn't write down the name of this but i think it's called your father twice over it is yeah yeah which is because of the dial the cyborg dialogue yes. which i think is a good piece of dialogue um I think with the mm-hmm. epilogue, it's probably best if we just talk about it as like a whole, because it's not really like yeah. moment to moment. It's, this, it's uh, random cuts, isn't it? You could, yeah. I think, there's a lot of it you could have just put in. Other than maybe the cyborg stuff, you could have put any of it really in. Yeah, in like, any order. Yeah, um, yeah. like, like especially the end, like the Bruce Wayne, Martian Manhunter bit. I felt probably could have come before the the nightmare bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the nightmare bit. I almost thought should be when Cyborg sees the vision of Nightmare, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, I just thought the, the epilogue as a whole is quite like haphazard. It's quite like, here's things that are happening. And like, I love the Nightmare scene. I think it's great. I think Joker and Batman's interaction is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what, what, what didn't you like about it? I hated it. I hated the line where he said that he will fucking kill him. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I just thought it. it was so... I don't know what they're trying to do, what they're trying to say. Like, yeah, it's... Why the, I mean, why? I think it's just because it doesn't establish why him, why Joker's even there. Like, He must be important to something. Like, that's, like, I don't know what the crap is, but I'm assuming they need him. Because he says, you need me, doesn't he? Yeah. Like... He just, so I assume Joker he probably knows his way around things, doesn't he? But it just yeah. it just seems so... I, I just felt it felt very forced. It didn't I get the impression they've broken him out of an asylum or something in the fact that he's still wearing like an asylum gown, right? So I feel yeah. like they've... Whatever the story is, they've had to go the effort to break the Joker out of wherever he's... They should have just left him, or would have left him otherwise, to because um, they need him in some capacity which is yeah, unexplained yeah. But... yeah so they obviously yeah so they need him for something but it just doesn't explain i think that's why that line feels so weird to me is that you yeah. don't know we haven't seen enough of those two characters together to yeah obviously we assume he's killed robin because of the suit and everything but it just felt it just felt very forced me trying to felt kind of felt like these are the these are the extra shots we're going to do this is going to stand out yeah. a bit more and the whole team did it I thought it was cool. I thought it looked good. I thought it looked cool that they honoured the nightmare stuff. I like the fact that everyone looked a bit battered and out of ideas. And 
I don't know. I just like Mera being there didn't feel right to me, not just because of who she is, just I think they could have chosen someone else or she she was free to do a reshoot and the fact I that they showed that they some had cool the death touches in there. there. But why was Deathstroke mm-hmm. they had the Deathstroke Easter egg with him finding out who Bruce Wayne is and I've read obviously Zack Snyder had fifteen different lines for Lex Luthor to say to Deathstroke, like, oh he's Bruce Wayne, oh he's this is that, this is that. But then all of a sudden he's just there as well and it just kind of took away something from mm. Deathstroke as well. And I I didn't I didn't like the line. I didn't like the not just not because he was swearing, just it's just not something he would do, is it? He's just not gonna kill him. Why just I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Don't I, like I, see, I kind so, of the thing is it's like a sorry, you go. Uh, I I wonder if we're gonna say the same thing though. I think we might because what I what I was gonna say is that I took it as like a I, well, I didn't start with that, but you did. But I'm going to carry on. <laughs> it almost like um, in the future, it's so fucked that this is a this is this is Batman who's now reverted back to like as dark as he was before because he did kill yeah. people in Batman versus Superman, like remorselessly. Essentially, like guy shoots at his car with a gun and he just evaporated them with his own weapons and things like that. And I was like, this is a Batman that I think is dark enough to to killed the joker and i think if he because yeah, he's if he said if he's got to a level where he was thinking superman is was one percent superman's going to kill everyone we need to destroy him i think this is probably a batman that's sick to death of joker's existence he's probably one that realizes look if the joker was fucking dead it'd be better for everyone because he's he already makes the um the thing in batman versus superman he says he's gotham's maybe it's gotham city in me that's um just tired of freaks dressed like clowns kind of thing and i think that they've got they've done it like snyder said with the batman vs superman it's batman who's sick to death of being being like the savior so he's he's a he's a much darker version i think that nightmare version is very much the same character especially in um when you saw the nightmare sequence from batman vs superman he's snapping necks and taking names and shooting people with guns in that one. This is yeah, this is not the same Bruce Wayne that's that's like happy and f- like full of faith. Yeah. This is the, this is like the ultimate faithless version. So I, really think I feel like him threatening to kill the Joker. Just it kind of mm. went, it was lost. In my, I realize now what you're saying. Yeah. I didn't really think about it like that, but I still mm. I still didn't. I think maybe I was a bit disappointed because I think I read a couple of times that it was a nightmare scene itself was an hour of the film, and when you saw those still shots of Joker in a hallway. And Bruce Wayne away. I thought it was yeah. going to be like a, a mind fuck thing. Yeah. So I think I was a bit underwhelmed by it, and I think that line didn't sit well with me. And then Deathstroke bit didn't sit well with me. And there's, I like it visually mm. though, and I like the fact that Superman's there at the end and all of that. Just, I, I'm fifty fifty on it. To be honest. Yeah, I I think I was kind of in the same boat as Harry that I was like, I like that that version of Bruce is so far gone. Like too many people have died because of him, which is effectively what the Joker does. I like that the Joker baits him that he's like, how many people have to die before you basically have the balls to die yourself? Break your rule. And, you know, it's the combination of like bringing up Robin that he's like, you know, you rip up this card and I'm happy to talk why you sent a boy wanted to do a man's job. I think that's like such a brilliant Joker line. It's a good like, line. That's a very um, good line. There are good lines though. I do. I don't mind some of the dialogues. Didn't like that Batman line. So that was a great touch as well. The the, the card being the truce, right? Because yeah. in the nightmare sequence in 
in Batman vs Superman, Batman's got that gun, right? He's, he's got a, a rifle and he has the Joker card taped to the rifle. It never made any sense. And actually, like, oh, he was like, yeah, cool touch, like, fucked up Batman from That's the cool. future, sure. And then it's like, they filmed this scene. It's like, oh, here's why he's got that Joker card, if you noticed it. And there was just, I thought it was riddled with cool little touches, like the, the fact mirrors carrying canisters of what I'm assuming is water because her power's like water based, right? I was like, that's cool, because they're in a fucking desert post-apocalyptic world where I'm assuming water's a commodity. So I was just I enjoyed the like thought that had gone into the design of the characters. Like Deathstroke's got like a completely different color scheme. It's all like desert cam. And then you've got like they're just like a really ragtag looking team. Cyborg's not got a whole lot going on from them. Obviously just like a, a hooded look thing. But I thought I thought it was a cool representation of what the what the Justice League becomes in like a dystopian desperate kind of world and it's it's essentially made up of villains it's made up of, it's, it's led by a batman who's far gone it's got the fucking joker on it teamed up with him whether whether that's a stable relationship or not which is, i mean it's obviously not you've got deathstroke in there who's set up by i think the plot they planned was that he was going to be the villain of the batman films with ben affleck if they'd happened that's why the 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 spoil the the name drop in the other part of the epilogue where he says Bruce Wayne's uh, Batman's name is Bruce Wayne and the whole eye for an eye thing. You've got like the history going on there that like Batman, I'm assuming has taken Deathstroke's eye and that's why he'd be the lead villain for that film. So it's like, there's so many like little details that pad it out and it's like, they're the most unlikely selection of people to be on a squad together, but they've all got like a perfect reason to be there kind of thing, even though you don't know why Joker is there. And there was another really cool, um, like Easter egg in there as well, which was awesome. Which I, you, I don't think you've noticed necessarily watching the film, but they showed not long before the film came out, they had that like gallery event where they posted like the plot for the film and those are the costumes and things. And there was a, there was obviously like the Joker costume with all the like goth and police badges and things on. But the, those, the one I'd noticed which people went nuts for was Deathstroke's suit. So he's got like two, two fucking swords, right? One of the swords on his, on his back is, it's got the League of Shadows symbol on it, which um, which to basically means it's Razogul's sword, right? Which means if you've if you've got that, you are the head of the what do they call it? The head of the snake or some shit? That you've League got of Shadows. If you're, yeah. If yeah, if you're in charge of League, League of Shadows, you're the you're the big man. Which means he's of. Does that mean this version of Deathstroke? Reading into it, it's killed Razogul, and is so. Was like, and it made me think. I was like, shit. What if the completely <laughs> so off the chain but what if the plot for the Batman film was that Deathstroke takes over the League of Shadows and fucking comes at Batman so it'd be kind of like a Court of Owls thing but with the League of Shadows and Deathstroke instead of anything to do with the Court of Owls but we'll never know. there's so many like yeah. there's so many little Easter eggs in there that I love and like I absolutely love the whole aesthetic of the Nightmare sequences anyway I was I was a big fan, and I've wanted I wanted to see Jared Leto's Joker and Ben Affleck's Batman on screen. I feel like it had to happen because I loved both versions of the character so much. I was like, I felt robbed that it was never essentially going to happen before this, and it was it was a joy to see I, them together. I, I did really like that all of them like that it is a ragtag Justice League, and almost all of them have a stake in like the nightmare world. Mira's trying to avenge. Aquaman. So, like, her storyline is basically revenge. Yeah. You've got Batman, who's like caused the death of Lois. You've got Joker, who's insane. You've got 
Deathstroke, who's obviously on basically like, I'm just trying to survive. And then Flash yeah. and Cyborg are almost in it because it's like they're the ones who yeah. dug up Superman. So it's like they almost mm. they were like there at the start of where shit went wrong. I love how that scene plays out as well with the when Superman actually shows up you get the reactions of all the characters yeah. and you've just got Batman's like steely face you've got I mean they're all a bit steel face but there's there's like a little bit of peril in everything and, the, and then you get the Joker and he laughs and I was like it's, I mean obviously I think anyone directing it would have done the same thing but to see it I was like it's great yeah. like it's it feels like the injustice kind of it's got that injustice feel to it and it is awesome seeing just like the worst of everything I think is yeah. is awesome yeah, I think it's really and nice. kudos as well to Jared Leto for being the first actor to reprise the role of the Joker in cinema, yeah. like n- not including animated films, of course, because Mark Hamill's smashed that out of the park. But yeah, only actor to ever play the Joker, Joker twice. twice. Yeah, what yeah. wild! Yeah, pretty much at the end now. But as we've already said, the, the Manhunter scene at the end for me, I kind of thought it was alright, but knowing that. Originally, they'd filmed it way back when, and I was reading that basically they'd filmed it and covered Ben Affleck in green light because it was supposed to be a Green Lantern. I kind of feel like I was a little bit robbed of that. Um, yeah, I agree. Like I feel like the I think Lantern, the Green Lantern would have been better. Yeah, obviously that's and not Zach's like... choice. That was Warner Brothers that stepped in and were like, "We can't use John Stewart." Yeah, that's their gutting. Um, I feel like though that scene. Like I said earlier, the Manhunter stuff in that film, I enjoy the fact Martian Manhunter was in it, but I saw no point to him being there because he shows up early enough in the film. Well, he shows up in the film when he does, but you know that it reveals the fact he's been there since Man of Steel, right? And it just makes you think, why the fuck did he not get involved at any other of these big yeah, points in I... all the films? Which I, can, which I can allow, but then for him to show up at the end, why did he choose that point to come tell Batman like well done yeah, I, I like the Marvel sentiment thing, it? of it it's the same thing yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like yeah, it's like you if you were there get involved mate I like, feel like Green Lantern, sh- don't show up to say like well done show up yeah. and help <laughs> like, I feel like Green Lantern works better because mm. um, you can say that he was just off planet like that he's been out in the galaxy somewhere and the cry of Superman is what brought him back and you can kind of say yeah. like look I haven't been looking after Earth, but I'm taking a stake in it now. Like you can use the same dialogue. Really. You can also say that the ring only just found him X amount of yeah, years ago. Yeah. The ring disappears, doesn't it, in the yeah. opening? And it could have bounced around for several years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fuck knows where it's gone. So. I feel like more yeah, it would have made a lot more sense to be Lantern. And I feel yeah, yeah definitely. I, I just I like Manhunter, and I I I was glad to see him show up, but I feel like there wasn't much point. Um, and I feel like for, for if if he'd shown up earlier in the film like he did and that had been that and then he showed up in the final fight that would be great that would be cool because you'd be like oh shit he's he's involved right it makes sense for him to having an involvement and then he could have then had the same if he showed up in the fight and be like who the fuck is this guy kind of thing that would have been fun because it'd be like a, a like a, a curveball element to the fight sequence What no matter what he did because it ultimately died when the unity thing happened right and then have him show up again at the end and speak to Bruce. That kind of would work, but I feel like there was no, there was no like glue to either of them. Yeah. Sort of like, I think it was intended to be um, a lantern at the end, 
that makes perfect sense because it would have it would have worked. And but for them to have now doubled up on Manhunter, Manhunter. it didn't. It wasn't quite enough. Not necessarily. It just felt I think it, it would have been stronger to end on the nightmare scene. I think that would have been a good. Yeah. I think if it yeah. ended on the nightmare scene, you would have been left wanting more. Yeah. Probably. Yes. The man Manhunter was a just like, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. I think it, it just was an odd ending. And he, you could have, you should, but that scene could have been included before they even all joined together again. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bruce Wayne didn't give the a shit. Didn't he? He was nice, just kind of like, but... mate, it's just it's like you know, six fucking a.m. Like, yeah, yeah. Just, just save the world. <laughs> Leave me be, mate. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm sleeping. <laughs> yeah. So that's covering all the chapters then. So we should give it a rating, all of us, and maybe just sum up our overall thoughts. So we'll give it a consistently rating out of ten. So I would give it. A consistency rating of seven Oof, okay. out of ten because I I didn't think the beginning was overly strong. I really enjoyed sitting through a four-hour film. That doesn't take anything away from. It. I actually thought that experience was great. I would have loved to do it at the cinema as well. Yep. I'm far more impressed than I have I I thought I would be because I was quite negative to it. I really thought it was going to be a bit of a screw up actually, but it came off a lot better than I had the right to in my eyes I still can't get my head quite around why Zack Snyder shoots so much material knowing that it's probably never going to see the light of day unlike this unique circumstance because he shot all that knowing that the studio were probably going to they weren't going to do the two part thing as they said they were going to do so he would have had to cram this all into two and a half hours so no matter what way he did it they were never going to extend the time limit it was never going to he was never going to get it all in there. So we would have lost some of these key scenes no matter what. But I think his hands were obviously tied because they've promoted this completely wrong and set it out completely wrong. I still think he was the right man to do Justice League, but after more solo films. But I I just didn't think it was quite at the level that... I, I would have loved this to be the first Justice League film experience. I would have loved it to be like a three-hour film with a lot of the elements in it. And I think I would have given a higher rating. But because we've had the, the shit cut, and this sort of not makeshift because it's all there, isn't it? But it's although I enjoyed four hours, I think there was still stuff that could have not been in there. Like the like we said, some of the Martian Manhunter, even though that was minimal, but some of the scenes were a bit too long for those reasons, which is why I would probably lower it down a little bit to something like a seven. So, but very impressed compared to what I thought it was going to be like. So, there's a win there, I guess. Always good. What about you, uh, Nick? I've really thought about this because our last podcast, I gave One Division an eight, just for anybody Ooh. who hasn't seen that. And, you know, my main criticism of that was just that they didn't explore the the grief aspect. So I think for the Snyder Cut, I'd give it a nine. Just, it's probably my highest yet. But I can't give it a 10 as much as I love Snyder because, like I said, like the epilogue for me is a little bit haphazard. I think the manhunted stuff's a little bit kind of shoehorned in. And I think you're right that there is, as much as I love the four-hour cut because I get everything from it, I think there is a three-hour cut of it, which is what I hoped they would have like originally released. I think that would have been the happy middle ground of Warner Brothers saying, we need a two-hour film, and Zach saying, well, I've got four hours of footage. I think go for three hours because audiences can easily sit through a three-hour film. So yeah, Everyone wins, don't they, in that respect? But Yeah. So I, I, I think, yeah, I'd give it a nine because everything is in there that I wanted to be in there. There's nothing that I'm kind of like, oh, that isn't there. Um, 
you know, minus John Stewart as Green Lantern. But um, again, that's Warner Brothers' fault, not Zach's. So yeah, so I'd give it a nine. Nice, Harry. Hmm. Well, I'm going to glue the two of you together because I'd give it an eight. I oh. think uh, there's um yeah, it lived up to everything I wanted it to be. So which first off the bat, kudos because that's hard, and there was so much hype for it initially. Like I know Nick and I have talked about it for so so fucking long. Like back when we just we were we were like it'll never happen like for that long so the fact we've like been like drip drip fed details over all these years of what's going to be in it and how it's going to be and all the stuff zach's saying i think it's a big it's like huge success that none of that was a lie because it, it was all there there was there was one thing which i saw which i wondered where it had gone but it got explained i saw recently and it was like a picture of like the parademon how they're made and batman finds it in some warehouse thing and i've always thought it looked super dark and Snyder had posted it, but it turns out that was a Warner Brother thing they cut as well, like the, the John Stewart thing. So that's fine. But anyway, yeah, besides that, I thought it was just like it ticked everything it needed to do. And yeah, th- th- my only criticisms and criticisms were, I think, and it, I'm like, I, I'm very big on like the visuals of things when I look at films. So this is probably more me than you guys, but I feel like it looked a little unpolished in places. And things they do. I think that does that is important to me. I think more than more than a lot of not more than everything, but like I think it plays a huge part in how I like how I feel when I'm something. So anything's like a little jarring or not quite cleaned. Like some of the stuff with Dark Side it detracts a little. So for that reason, I'd, I'd take a, a point away maybe. And then yeah, just I felt like the epilogue and the Martian Manhunter stuff was a bit muddled. I feel like yeah. I enjoyed all the material that was in the film, like I loved it. And I think the villain is one of the best comic book hero villains in Steppenwolf, like flat out. And I don't know what, I don't know what the barometer is. I'd have to really go through my, my comic book film villains hit list, but I feel Mr. like Freeze. Steppenwolf is, is way up there. Yeah. Mr. Freeze is obviously top. Freeze is top. Steppenwolf, yeah. is, like, Steppenwolf is without question, top five favorite comic book hero villains like for like aesthetic and actually being what a villain's supposed to be in a film as far as i'm concerned so yeah it ticked off everything i sort of wanted to do and i think the only setbacks were just a few visual elements which i can't really blame anyone for because the the turnaround for the film was ridiculously fast but nonetheless they were there that's it though isn't it if zack Snyder didn't shoot so Mm. fucking much like we could have got a three-hour polished (laughs) film that's the thing he shoots far. yeah i I read somewhere i'm saying like out there, there could be like a, a Snyder cut for Sucker Punch and another mm. one for Man mm. of Steel and a longer Batman Superman cut. It's just yeah, never going to win when you shoot so much. So much material. And like, it is a strain on, especially, I imagine, working under, like you said earlier, Luke, with, if you're part of the visual effects team, it must be such a slog to try and finish yeah. everything in such a turnaround. I, this film must have set some sort of record for the, for the visual effects process like surely for the speed they managed to ram it together well, that's pretty so much yeah, where the 70 that, million went wasn't it just yeah. all on that yeah it's got to be just like the, quick the, time the reshoots i saw that um i saw zach talking about it that warners basically were like you're not allowed to reshoot anything and he was kind of like well it's the snyder cut why are there rules it's my cut yeah so we just filmed it anyway like you said that the martian manhunter stuff he filmed all that on his driveway he just got mm. the actor and just was like, I'll film the air, we'll do it. 
Um, Didn't he film Flash from the Nightmare sequence or over Zoom, essentially? Yeah, he did, so yeah. Flash, yeah, that's why, that's Flash why he's, a bit out, over Zoom. he's a little bit out of the shot, yeah. isn't he? He's yeah. always he's on the edge yeah. of each one. But I mean, mm, not quite crisp. But... Like, just yeah. at least you managed to do it. Um, mm. right then. So I think it's agree. a success for all the right film. reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. agree. I agree. It's it's so much it's like yeah, it's it worked in it and it's a unique thing that there won't probably be I mean I'd love there to be an eye of uh, Suicide Squad, but I yeah. I think this is probably mm. it, isn't mm. it? It'll be a long time till we get something else like this because you'd hope from something like this, like when you hear about James Gunn's the Suicide Squad, that they just stay the fuck out of it and just let mm. The director yep. has done a good job with most of his material. Just get on with it and then just let it be. Like I hope now they've got a clear path because this has been so successful that mm. you know they must mm. there must be someone there that's lost the job at Warner Brothers because they decided it was the wrong move to do yeah. after setting up everything with Man of Steel and Batman for Superman. So awesome. Well do we think that, um, at this point there will be a, a follow on? That's a question to pose like, to everyone. I think Absolutely it's done. not. I think, I, I think I, I think I think there'll be something. Obviously, they're trying to push for like a Deathstroke HBO. I know that's what they're things like that. They'll, yeah, something will come out of the woodwork. But I I think Zack Snyder and fair play to him. I think he's just like, like I'm done now. It's going to take something that's monumental, it. isn't it? Like complete creative control. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like, think mm-hmm. I think there's two things. I think one is like I think there's a world in which he does it for a smaller paycheck because like he didn't take a paycheck to finish Justice League. Like he didn't take any yeah. to do this cut, and I think there's a world in which, with HBO, not Warner's, he continues it in some fashion. I don't know what, and takes a lesser pay cut to have more say on it. I think the other option is that he finishes it as like an animation or a comic or something. There's just a way for him to like finish his vision. I think the problem is is there's such a calling to see how the rest of it plays out. And I think the Snyder Cut doesn't help with giving you a definitive end. Like, no, not at all. Have to, it'd have to be a comic, wouldn't it? It'd have to be something like that. It's, something yeah, with an agreement with DC. But then again, he's not he's not okay with half of the DC like staff. Like, Jeff I know he's mates, stuff he's mates with Jim Lee, who is hell Jim. DC. So, I don't know. I think so, there is a world in which something continues from it. Um, yeah, I just don't know what. Mm. I would, I would think there'd be a reboot before. I think we'll be more focused on the Earth Two stuff. Yeah. Eventually, I think they'll reboot all of it. I think we'll get another Wonder Woman, and yeah, obviously we'll get the Black Adam stuff and everything. But I would think in another ten years we'll be talking about a complete reboot of like Patterson's Batman, maybe being they'll start fresh. I think, and they'll just steadily reboot as it goes on. Yeah, I think Patterson's going to have a trilogy, and I, I don't think they're going to give him a, a Justice League film. I think, right. that was, I think that was Reed's stipulation of like making that film was like, I want to do it in All right, okay. solo, yeah. isolation, which is very nice. All right, then, guys. I think that wraps up our uh, Snyder Cut podcast. Hope everyone listening enjoyed what will likely be edited to as long as the Snyder Cut, potentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that was our penultimate episode of the Consistently OK podcast, like I said at the beginning. Our last podcast of season one is going to be WWE Attitude Era, which is a bit of a nostalgic throwback, which I think I've already said, but we're, we're, we're going to record it. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to talk about our favourite matches and moments from the Attitude Era and some of our, well, why we got into wrestling as well when we did enjoy it. 
So that'll be out uh, the following week after this one. We hope you enjoyed it. And like I said, you can subscribe to our podcast on any podcast providers you have. And you can follow us like Sicily Pod on Twitter and on YouTube as well. So a big thank you, Mr. Harry Hughes, for joining us. No problem. Always a, always a uh, I don't want to say the word pleasure because that's just boring. Always a delight. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Nick, You're it's welcome. been a pleasure. Always good, dude. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks, everyone. See you in a bit. Cheers. Bye. So long. Bye.